I think that uh, it's really a fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today this dream is becoming a reality. So it's really a purpose-driven uh, company, Andrew. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am also known as, by some old ladies, that life jackets guy. Welcome to the Lifeboats live stream. Well, as you might have guessed, okay, I admitted I might have taken some liberties in the editing of that little clip right there. It's a bit of an experiment with the conspiracy crowd because I think a lot of them are going to take that and like run, oh, they have the WHF said that they're trying to, to depopulate half the people in the world, which pretty much, yeah, they are. But they didn't actually say that. And uh, that's it's going to create, you know, this wave of disagreement. I'm interested to see where that clip goes and where it, we start seeing it come back. So when you guys see it out there floating about, make sure you tell me and let me know the context. Are people getting that it's an edit? Have they gone and checked the source? Are they actually validating anything or are they just accepting whatever they see as fact because it agrees with their narrative and again i don't dispute that that's exactly what's happening but it's not what they actually said so bit of an interesting experiment there um but that's not what i want to start with we're going to go through this speech and see what uh lord on high um klaus schwab has for the peasants with uh the figurehead of the Pfizer pharmaceutical cartel, or sorry, not Pfizer, Moderna pharmaceutical cartel by the Moderna crime family has to say about the great success of their vaccination program. But I want to start with this right here because something that we've been talking about for quite a while, this whole thing with prion disease uh, being a result of vaccination or even infection with COVID because th that's what this one's about is infection with COVID. And what we see happening here is what Walter Chestnut and others have been talking about for a long time. And that is what's happening to this spike protein when it goes into your bloodstream. Like what does the body do with it? Where, you know, where all does it go? What kind of damage does it cause? what mechanisms of action are present to, um, uh, you know, cause disease and so forth. And some of the things Walter found is that uh, it triggers all the signs of aging. So there's a lot of people out there, if you're paying attention, who got vaccinated and they look like they've aged 10 to 20 years since. That's the spike protein doing its damage. And what uh, we've also seen showing up in the last few months is in the blood of the vaccinated, these little white fibrous things. And we've shown you where Dr. Cole had some from other pathologists that have given him samples that the embalmers can't pump the embalming fluid through the veins because they're filled with these white string looking things. 
People have pulled them out of lungs where it's basically all of the paths that the blood was supposed to travel down mapped out on this piece of paper because these things just keep growing and growing and growing. And what are they? Well, it seems there's a research team that has uh, a possible discovery of the mechanism behind the mysterious COVID-19 symptoms. And it's very much what Walter and others have been predicting. Okay. It's amyloidosis. In patients, uh, sorry, the body's immune system can affect spike protein on the surface of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, leading the production of a misfolded protein called an amyloid. Okay. So here's the thing to note about this. Okay. This is talking about someone infected with the virus, but what's the real difference when you talk about the vaccine versus the virus? The vaccine produces the spike protein without the body of the virus, without the N-nucleocapsid spike. And so the immune system's less likely to recognize some of the different variants because it's only exposed to the spike. And of course, they told us this was safe. Why? They said, well, the 2P substitution, the, the dual proline substitution that they put on the end to terminate it and keep it from coming unraveled. Now, the problem is, this 2P substitution increases the production of the spike by 10 to 50X, which is a bit worrisome if it's a neurotoxin that's poisoning people like it is. Um, but it was also to prevent misfolding. And you remember we talked about this months ago. That was the whole idea that these things could misfold in a way that's dangerous. And it turns out that's exactly what's happening, though not in the way that we first thought. Okay. Research team uh, studies illnesses which are caused by misfolded proteins noted that there were many similarities between COVID-19 related symptoms uh, that are, you know, tied to these misfolded proteins, these prions. The functions of proteins are strongly affected by the fact that proteins are folded in specific ways that give rise to a specific three-dimensional structure. As well as the shape, a protein can also assume an alternative form. Over 30 different proteins are known to have this kind of alternative shape, which is associated with illness. This alternative folded protein is called amyloid. Okay. Using computer simulation, the researchers discovered that the coronavirus spike protein contained seven different sequences, which could potentially produce amyloid. Okay, so what uh, they, they took the genetic model of the wild SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Now, what are the major differences? Not much. The dual proline substitution on the end. They put the two stop codons, if you remember, in the uh, mRNA, which are supposed to terminate it. But the pseudouridine converts those to sense codons. So you have a read-through risk. For some reason, the spike has a higher molecular weight than what, sh- what it should be. Nobody really knows why. Chances are it's reading through and continuing to make stuff, so no telling what else they're going to find out. But what we're going to see here is that when the body comes in, the immune sy- system comes in to break down the spike, it cuts up these little segments that have the potential in their computer models to misfold and turn into these prions that are going to cause disease, right? And those segments are the same between the SARS-CoV-2 and the one that they genetically engineered 
and produced in the lab. Uh, okay, under computer simulation, the researchers discovered that the coronavirus spike protein contains seven different sequences which could, could potentially produce amyloid. Three of the seven sequences met the researchers' criteria for being counted as amyloid-producing sequences. Uh, they produced, among other things, so-called fibrils, which look like long threads. These are the white things that they're, the embalmers and the pathologists are finding in the veins of people who are vaccinated. They produced, among other things, so-called fibrils, which look like long threads when examined under an electron microscope. And that's what this picture here is. Okay, so this is essentially a byproduct of the spike protein being broken down. And for some reason, if you remember Dr. Cole's speech, we can go to it a little bit later maybe, but he basically said uh, when he looked at it, at it under a micro microscope and did some immunostain testing and so forth, what he found was these fibrils, but also some, um, I forget what type of immune cells they were, but they were expressing these receptors that were very sticky. So for whatever reason, the stuff's floating around and the body is basically trying to get it out, trying to deal with it in some way by having it stick somewhere and stay and not float around and cause trouble is I think what's happening. And as a result, you remember the, the very first embalmer that we talked about, he said it looks like they grow out of a blood clot. Well, doesn't that make sense? Because the immune system cells come in, they stick, they grab others, the little fibers are going to grab others. And of course, this is all happening within a vein. So as it fills up and gets, you know, it starts pushing on it, that's pressure to push it, push the new fibrils further down the line where they can more easily attach at the end. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing until you end up with someone needing their leg amputated or they have a heart attack. Okay. Uh, fibrils are, per, are preceded by a process where the body cuts up large proteins into smaller pieces. All right. Researchers show that an enzyme from immune systems, white blood cells can cut up coronavirus spike protein. So white blood cells come in, they drop these enzymes on it. The enzymes break it up into little pieces and those pieces have the potential, some of them, three of them, definitely, seven of them, potentially, of misfolding, according to the computer simulation. Researchers show that an enzyme from immune system can cut up spike protein. When the spike protein is cut up, it produces the exact piece of protein, which, according to the researchers' analysis, is most likely to produce amyloid. The enzyme is released in large quantities from one type of white blood cell, neutrophils, which are released early on during infections such as COVID-19. When the researchers mixed pure spike protein with this enzyme uh, called uh, neutrophil elastase, unusual fibrils were produced. There's our source. We have never seen such a perfect but scary fibrils as these ones from the amyloid-producing SARS-CoV-2 spike protein and pieces thereof. The fibrils start from the full-size spike protein branched out like limbs on a body. Amyloids don't usually branch out like that. We believe that is due to the characteristics of the spike protein. 
The spike protein may be involved in the production of small blood clots as well. The blood contains the fibrin protein, which helps the body to coagulate. So there's this process here they're going to describe to eventually get rid of these fibrins that have been created, you know, like as part of part of what it's going, the body's going through, the immune system is doing to recover is it's going to dissolve these later. Okay. But that process is being interrupted and that's what's being described here. The coagulate is supposed to be broken up by plasmin. Researchers mixed amyloid producing spike pieces from the spike protein together with these bodily sub substances in test tubes and saw the fibrin coagulate, which was then produced, could not be broken down in the usual way by plasmin. Okay. So the spike amyloids, the, the fibrin that's being produced from the amyloid, from the spike protein, from the S1 being broken down, is the body's unable to deal with it. It doesn't know the, the, the process that it usually goes through to get rid of it doesn't work. So what happens? It keeps building and building and building until eventually the person doesn't get enough blood flow to a limb that's being blocked off or it's in their heart like uh, Dr. Uh, Vladimir, uh, not Vladimir, shoot. Uh, you, you guys know who I'm talking about. I'll remember his name in a minute. Um, but, you know, one of the really great, he was Trump's doctor. He's in the hospital right now. He has a blood clot in his heart, uh, which if it gets jarred loose, he says it's, that's probably lights out for him. The blood clot is attached to a tumor in his heart. He's also has tumors in the, in his lungs. So he's, uh, he may not be around for much longer. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if he's vaccinated or not, but he's certainly treating all these patients. Zelensky, yes. No, not, is it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, anyway, I don't know if he was vaccinated or if just being exposed to so many people shedding Zelenko. There we go. Zelensky's the UK guy. <laughs> or not the UK, the Ukraine guy. Uh, Dr. Zelenko is who I'm talking about. So, and I, I did a post about it. I wasn't even planning on bringing this up, but it kind of reminded me. And, and in evaluating this evidence, what the skeptics are going to come in and say is that, well, oh, Sam, this was for the natural infection, not the 100% safe and effective vaccines. But the evidence shows that's what we're seeing in the vaccinated, who, by the way, five to six more times likely to catch COVID anyway. So, does it really matter? And, uh, you know, the, this is, this is what's happening. These guys have been right. And this is going to like continue to build because we haven't found where the body shuts off spike protein production. So this is an ongoing thing in these people for months and months. Now it does sort of taper down, but we also know that it's getting potentially reverse transcribed, which means it's going to do it forever. So, uh, yeah, the outlook is not great for this. Now, exercise apparently produces a, a compound that will help get rid of the spike. Um, and there, there's some other things I think that people are talking about taking to sort of remedy this as best they can. At the same time, though, I, I don't know. I don't know what the long-term implicate. You can't, Dr. Cole said it himself, you can't live with this stuff growing inside you so the question is 
how many people is this happening to? And meanwhile, we're having, you know, we had two, a well-known actor and a, uh, the band, uh, the keyboardist, I think for one of the eighties bands, blink 182. No, I don't know. (laughs) Um, he, he passed away as well. Two in one day. And eventually we're going to be three to five by the end of the year. This is what's happening to these people. It's time we acknowledge this and start finding ways to treat it instead of burying our head in the sand and pushing uh, propaganda and gaslighting the vaccine injured and telling them it's in their head or it's stress or it's definitely not related when it is. Okay. Let me see where I want to go here. Let's go to the speech. Or actually, you know what? Let's talk about where this came from, okay? Because this virus was not natural. It didn't come out of the zoonotics theory. It's garbage. Pushed by people who are guilty of genocide and mass murder. And uh, we're going to... I give the floor to the representative. Listen to what the Russians say about what they've found in Ukraine, which they just invaded, you know, by chance. Has nothing to do with what's happening in the U.S., right? No. It's, uh, it's Russia trying to seize land and power from his neighbors and get them back and whatever, whatever other kind of crap the mainstream media narrative is pushing. ...of the Russian Federation. Thank you, Mr. President. Colleagues... Russia has asked for a meeting on the military biological activity of Ukraine for the third time now. I'll explain why. We continue to receive very worrying documentary evidence of the fact that the Ministry of Defense of the United States is directly involved in carrying out in the country dangerous biological projects that look like a secret biological military program. This activity is being carried out in the center of Eastern Europe and on the western borders of Russia. It is a real threat to the biosecurity of our country, the region, and given the cross-border nature of these bio-threats to the whole world. There is no information on this in the reporting stipulated by the Bio and Toxin Weapons Convention from, the, from Ukraine or from the United States, as was confirmed by Mr. Markram. Preventing this dangerous activity is possible only through our special military operation. Since the previous meeting, we two months have passed and we've received much new evidence. All of these materials we have placed on the secu- through the Security Council, and I'd like to draw your attention to the most... Much new evidence collected in Ukraine after they invaded, right? But this wasn't about the secret biolabs and the U.S. weapons, bioweapons program going on in Ukraine that all the politicians after giving 50 something billion dollars to start showing up in their military escorts, taking home suitcases full of something come bearing uh, lists of who gets the, the billions of dollars so it can be funneled back to them and their buddies. That wasn't why they invaded salient pieces of information here. 
as comes from the documentation on Project 3007, monitoring of epidemiological and the environmental situation with the proliferation in Ukraine of dangerous waterborne diseases, Ukrainian specialists under the supervision of American colleagues have regularly carried out collection of water samples of, from rivers flowing through Ukraine, including the Dnieper, the Danube and the Dniester, and also the North Crimean Canal. You know, it's interesting. I'm sure it's a total coincidence that Rochelle Lewinsky from the CDC was just at the university where she went to school touting, uh, you know, the new wastewater collection and wastewater surveillance capabilities and reporting that the CDC is investing in with their billions of dollars that they gained from the COVID pandemic. Total coincidence, I'm sure. The aim here is to establish the presence in them of specific dangerous pathogens, including cholera, typhoid, hepatitis A and E, and to evaluate the way in which they spread through the water in order to make a, draw conclusions on the ability of these pathogens to incapacitate. Then the collections of these samples were sent to the United States. We have a logical question. Why? Why is a collection of dangerous pathogens being collected by the United States, which might then spread through the waters of this region? Even a look at a Ukrainian map of the water sources in that country is enough to understand that the results of this scientific experiment might be used to create a biological catastrophe, not only in Russia, but on the whole, through the waters of the Azov and Black Seas and in Eastern Europe, including Belarus, Moldova and Poland. Mm -hmm. The documents say that the Kiev regime is trying to receive access to the technical means to deliver dangerous bioagents through the air. Last year, the Ukrainian side asked the Turkish manufacturer of drones, Baikar Makina, whether it was possible to equip a, the drone Bayraktar with an aerosol equipment that would allow it to spread aerosols, more than 20 litres of them, over a distance of 300 kilometres while in flight. A copy of this letter was disseminated by us on the 19th of April in the document collection that we had then. Well, guess what? It is possible. There's one right there. This is a DJI Agris T30. They've had these for a number of years now. I've researched this company because they're the sort of best in drones. I want to get one of their other professional models that's this, but designed to hold a big camera package. Um, this is a crop sprayer and these things have GPS and, uh, you can program their flight path to where they go out and spray this section of field and then the next station section of field and so forth. And it's automated and it takes one person to run the drone. Well, guess what? It turns out that, uh, the Russian soldiers, they, they found three of these, <laughs> when they invaded and they found some more at another site where they're going in and looking for these bioweapons labs. But this is all coincidence, right? All coincidence. This system, given the distance of the flight, would represent a real threat of the broad use of dangerous bioaerosols across the territory of the Russian Federation. There is information that in January this year, Ukraine through intermediaries, receive more than 50 such devices equipped with systems to spray biological and chemical substances. On the 9th of March this year, three such drones equipped with 30-litre containers and spray systems were found by our military in the Kherson region. A further 10 were... 
Those are the ones we just saw in the pictures. Noted at the end of April in Kahovka region. Our Ministry of Defence has received shocking evidence that a number of projects which the Pentagon is carrying out on Ukrainian territory have represent risk to the life and health of volunteers, Ukrainian citizens. The documentation on the project UP8 stipulates that when there are small incidents with the the people involved, then these must be reported to the US Bioethics Committee within 72 hours. And when there are serious events, including the death of the volunteers, within 24 hours. In other words, these experiments from the outset stipulate that they might be lethal, even though in the official project documentation it simply says that there's a standard procedure to collect blood. Did you understand what he just said there? There are instructions to, on who to contact when somebody gets real sick or dies from what they're doing. What kind of blood samples are being taken when the subjects might actually die? There is also evidence of the direct involvement of the political establishment in the United States in financing the military and biological activities in Ukraine through subcontractors from the Pentagon, such as Black and & Veatch and Metabiota. Metabiota is definitely on Jickey's list, right? That is one company that he has been talking about recently. The aims, however, were far from scientific. In a letter from the vice president of Metabiota in particular, it says that its aim in Ukraine was to guarantee, and I quote, the cultural and economic independence of Ukraine from Russia, end quote. To put it mildly, this is an unusual objective for a biotech company. You think? In previous meetings, we informed the Security Council that in Ukraine, with the financing and direct involvement of the U.S. Ministry of Defense through its Defense Threat Reduction Agency, there is a network of biolaboratories that are carrying out various pieces of military biological research. According to preliminary data, this network covers Kiev, Odessa, Lvov, Kharkov, Dnipropetrovsk, Kherson, Ternopil, Ushgorod, and Vinitsa. In this list, we can now add Mariupol. There are two biolaboratories in the city where we found evidence of the speedy destruction of documents that confirmed that it was working with the American military establishment. The preliminary analysis of the documentation shows that in Mariupol, it's being used as a regional center for the collection and for the a passport system for cholera pathogens. The samples that were collected were sent to the Center of Public Health in Kiev, which has the function to further then send on the biomaterial to the United States. This activity has been going on since 2014, as confirmed by the documents covering the distribution of the samples. There's also a health epidemiological laboratory in Mariupol where we found a document. So they're sending samples that they're collecting, generating there. Sorry, I was doing something else. Um, Back to the U.S. labs. What are they doing with them exactly? So suggesting that a collection of pathogen were destroyed and that documents from the 25th of February 2022. According to it there, there was work with cholera pathogens, also pathogens for deer fly fever, anthrax, in other words, with various potential bioagents. So what they're doing, they're going out and collecting all of these different pathogens and then seeing what they can do to genetically manipulate them, gain a function research in order to, you know, create a LAV, a live attenuated virus in the name of defense for the bioweapon that they just created. Versions of which, as he's about to explain, have been leaking out and making people sick in the area. 
part of the connection of a veterinary laboratory wasn't destroyed in a hurry. That, their specialists found pathogens which aren't really usual for veterinary illnesses such as typhus, paratyphus and gas gangrene. Last time we talked about the sharp increase in recent years in the Gulagansk and Donetsk republics of cases of tuberculosis caused by new different multi-resistant samples. We've also grounds to understand that this is not by chance that this has happened. There was also a bio-incident which took place in 2020 in the north, the, in a region of Lugansk. There it turned out that among children in Stepovoya we found false um, money which was were then used to as a carrier for, for tuberculosis. There the idea was that the children by when touching this money would then would then pick it up on their unwashed hands. The analysis showed that the, these pieces these this money was infected with a bioactive uh, tuberculosis. So there you have the US government trying to spread bioweapons that they've developed in these labs on children in the area. Wow. We're number one. We're number one. USA. USA. Which would resist the various different medications that could be used against tuberculosis. The idea that the bacteria naturally ended up on these 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 pieces of money is not true. The the concentration of the pathogen was too high, which wouldn't be found in natural conditions, where there is sunlight and where there is also active bacteria could die. In other words, there's everything to suggest that this was a, a laboratory in infection of this money with the bioagent itself. Fortunately. Um, nobody was a victim of this, but on the whole, we can see that this is a that this is a confirmation of a very worrying, worrying trend, right? And re- the realization here should be, guys, we're the bad guys. The U.S. the people we're the we're the idiots. You, you people love to look back at Nazi Germany and say, how did they not know? How did they not do anything? Well, guess what, Americans. You are far worse than them. You're the ones supporting this. You're the ones funding this. You're the ones perpetrating this mass murder with this out-of-control government run by sociopaths. I'd also like to get into another subject, which is another clear demonstration of how, in fact, the Kiev regime and its Western sponsors think about the Ukrainian people. There is evidence that American scientists from a laboratory in Merev have carried out experiments of potentially dangerous biological substances on patients in a local psychiatric hospital, hospital number three in Kharkov. Similar inhumane experiments took Oh, great. They're doing forced medical experimentation on the insane who won't be able to object. This is what you're a part of if you support this regime. And this was going on under Trump. It's going on under Biden. It was going on under Obama. Those of you that are think, if we just get the right people in, that will fix this. I mean, look, look at MAGA. You guys are all pro-government, pro-law and order, pro the, the government should be in charge of everything. Congratulations, you're controlled all opposition. You just never bothered to think about it and realize it. 
This is going on under Democrats and Republicans because it's an out-of-control group of sociopaths trying to depopulate the planet. Place in psychological psychiatric hospital number one in Strelitz in Kharkov region. The main category of the patients there was a group of patients who were men aged between 40 and 60 with, a, a, with very severe physical problems. All of this research was carried out secretly and Ukrainian colleagues signed a non-disclosure agreement. To cover the, the, the American experts, they were brought in through third countries so that it was kept secret. As the information comes in about the activities of biolaboratories in Ukraine, we ask questions to their allies, the United States, and through NATO. New documents show that between 2016 and 2019, military epidemiologists from the Institute of Microbiology and the Bundeswehr, the German army in other words, were brought, they brought in samples of blood from their citizens from to, who are living in 25 different regions in Ukraine. What was the aim of, for, for, for the German armed forces to be involved in collecting samples from Ukrainian citizens? There's also documentation that confirms Poland's involvement together with the key um, contractors from the Pentagon, in particular the American company Betel, through biological research on Ukrainian territory. Mr. President, I think that today, once again, we will hear from our Western colleagues that there will be accusations that this is, this is propaganda and there's a lack of evidence. This is why we are devoting a great deal of attention to documentary evidence and to regularly distributing through the Security Council and the General Assembly the originals of these documents which have come into the hands of the Ministry of our Ministry of Defense. With them, everybody can, everybody can read these documents. There are hundreds of pages of documents signed by specific people, specific officials in the US and Ukraine. They show that, that they wanted to hide from the international community what the Kiev regime and Western colleagues were doing. American representatives have refused to give explanations about the character and the real aims of their activity in the biological sphere in Ukraine and around the world in a whole. In a preparatory document to the Ninth Review Conference of the uh, Biological Weapons Convention in Geneva at its session in the beginning of April, the Americans once again did not give any clear answer besides waving away the idea that the biological activities of the United States by definition were peaceful and useful for the international community. <laughs> On the 6th of April, there was a meeting. Trust us. They're peaceful and useful, okay? You just got to trust us, that's all. In the ARIA formula. Because, you know, U.S. government... Very trustworthy. Good faith and credit. That's what backs up the U.S. dollar. Where there were independent journalists who asked for clarification from the United States, including about why documents about American-Ukrainian cooperation on biodevelopments contradicted the statements of American officials. Hmm. But the delegations of the United States and the United Kingdom simply didn't come to that meeting. There's another very salient fact here. During the course of the meeting that I mentioned, the, of the preparatory committee, the US delegation once again rejected the proposal to create an effective verification mechanism for compliance with the BWC. They're like, okay, if you've got absolutely nothing to hide, then uh, turn it over to some external audits, some independent third-party audits, just like we do with Iran, right? Because you're doing this for the good of all humanity. So you need to open it up and, and prove that that's what, what's happening because that's what you're telling us is happening. So why wouldn't you want to show that you're not doing these things you've been accused of? Because you're doing them, maybe? They refused to renew work on a corresponding legally binding protocol to the convention, which the USA has been blocking since 2001. 
Our initiative was to add trust measures for the CWC through reporting on military biological activity beyond national territory, but the American representatives also rejected this proposal. In other words, the United States is deliberately blocking attempts to strengthen the BWC regime, aimed to allow it to effectively keep, to keep violating the convention. All of, this, all of these are very worrying signals, especially given that the American legislation allows for military biological activity and the national legislation in this sphere has prevalence over the international legislation of the United States. I'd once again like to ask the representative of the United States, is if your wishes for biological laboratories to exist around the world and in particular in Ukraine, as you say, then if this is truly peaceful, then why do you refuse to deliver them to international controls and why do you impede the idea that the international community would have the necessary instruments for that control? Come on, man. This would be the simplest way to once and for all get rid of all doubts and accusations if, as you assert, as you assert they are completely completely foundless. Unfortunately, we, we, simply have, we simply only have another explanation, which is that you have something to hide, colleagues. We have already accumulated a lot of materials that directly indicate that the United States and Ukraine are violating the CWC, the BWC rather. We continue to collect these materials and analyze them. Given that the American party is refusing to engage in any constructive discussion on this subject, we plan to utilize the mechanisms stipulated in Articles 5 and 6 of the BWC. As soon as work to collect the materials is completed, we will present them to the Council for an investigation. We hope that this will allow us to finally cut off the military biological activity which threatens international peace and security and to bring those who are guilty to account. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen. My role as council president, I thank the representative of Russia for his statement. Do I have thank you for coming? No. To tell. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Haven't used that one in a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not fun realizing you're the Nazis, is it? But that's exactly what's going on. That is what the war in Ukraine is really about. That is why these guys are panicking and bringing out Bono and anybody else they've got compromised that might be able to help propagandize the normies into believing their bullshit while they also use seize the opportunity to further loot the treasury and sap the wealth that you hold in dollars. And we're all paying for it at the grocery store, at the gas pump. When you try and do anything, it's more expensive now because these crooks and criminals are robbing us blind while they develop programs of mass murder, experimenting on crazy people, on people the state's labeled crazy anyway, and killing some of them apparently. And force spraying populations potentially with deadly pathogens. But no, this is about the pipeline. Wake the fuck up. All right. Uh, today we announced that... Um, uh, <laughs> this one's going to be so much better, let me tell you. <laughs> we will offer all our patent-protected medicines, all mm -hmm. vaccines or medicines, but currently exist in the U.S. or in Europe to the 45 poorest countries of the world. You know, uh, Albert, while you're up there, quick question. Why hasn't Moderna applied for the normal license? Why is it all still under the EUA? 
Would it be because like Pfizer, you would have to turn over all your trial documents and we would see just like we were seeing now with Pfizer and we're going to look at tonight that that is a giant lie used to manipulate the masses into taking your deadly genetic bioweapon that's producing fibrils in their bloodstream and killing people? Maybe even, I don't know, 50% of the people that take it. Maybe he was telling us that, not us, but the people paying attention. And that's why he chose that specific way to say what you're going to hear him say. It is a population of 1.2 billion people at cost. And we also make the commitment that every year, as we discover and bring to the U.S. or to the Europe or to the world new medicines, automatically those new medicines will be inserted into uh, the offer of the portfolio that we will offer into these countries. I think it is. that uh, it's really a fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, to reduce the number of people in the world that cannot afford our medicines by 50%. I might have cut that little who could not afford our medicine out. I think today this dream is becoming a reality. And then it's so perfect the way they all start clapping for it. I'm just laughing my ass off in the little edited video. <laughs> because that's the reality so of the situation. Purpose-driven uh, company, and if yes, you say very purpose-driven company, margin, or suddenly you must add a certain margin for research and uh, development. We will not. We define at cost. Of course, who paid for the research and development? Oh, dollar holders, because they printed that. It's not taxpayers. They didn't tax anybody to go and do all this stuff. They just printed it and took it from the existing value of the dollar. And then handed it over to him so he can sit up here and and explain to the world what a saint he is for helping distribute these shots all around the world. They're such good guys, all of them. Strictly what it takes to manufacture it and very minimal shipment. We exclude all the research money that took to invent the medicines, or the legal the that took for. to make the contracts, the uh, or everything, or the administrative cost, the everything that it is uh, sometimes is added to the nonprofit will not be added in that case. It's going to be strictly the cost to make this pharmaceutical cartel crime family man. They are turning over a new leaf. Let me tell you. Make and soup. Wow. And would you help those countries uh, also afterwards to develop their own production line? What we are going to do, and this is a very good point, that um, what we discovered through uh, the pandemic was that uh, supply was not enough to resolve the issues that these countries are having. You got to strike while the iron's hot. I mean, that fear and propaganda that they pushed on the world, it sort of wanes over time. So really, you got to have the shots ready to go when the people are still scared and terrorized that life's never going to go back to normal and they got to take this injection or they're going to die. Right now, for example, there are billions of doses of our vaccine, the vaccine that was used in Europe, in, uh, in the U.S., mm -hmm. but it is offered to low-income countries for free. Oh. And it is offered by the U.S. government mainly, but also by the European Union. 
Yeah. I mean, they want to kill the poor people too, right? Because uptake is very low in these, in these third world countries, poor countries. That's not good. We can't have a bunch of poor people running around after this reset. But they're doing donations. So the U.S. government bought for us at cost and they donated. They can't use them right now because we discovered that one thing is supply and the other thing is to have educated population uh-huh. that believe that vaccines is doing well. Uh-huh. To have even, even though they're, they're actually not? Doctors or nurses that will administer to have infrastructure. Oh, are you having healthcare shortages because they're getting sick and dropping out and dying? And then you fired the ones that wouldn't go along with your little program? And logistical, that you can store it in every place in the country and not only in the capital of the country. A lot of things are missing. For this reason, given the lessons that we got, in addition to the initiative that is brought and addresses 45 countries, we selected five of them that uh, the government... I'm sure South Africa is going to be one of these because, you know, they're the most developed, right? So you're going to be some of the bigger countries in Africa. ...are really keen to work on these issues as well. Those five, it is Rwanda, Rwanda. Uh, Malawi, Uganda, uh, Ghana, Ghana, and uh, Senegal. Oh. So with- some of the most corrupt governments in Africa. I wonder why. <laughs> are they going to use these guys to kind of like surreptitiously force this thing everywhere all over Africa since vaccine uptake was like 5% on the continent. Is that what this plan's about? No, it couldn't be. Those five, we signed already uh, our letters of intent and we will work not only giving them the medicines, but on the ground to identify blockages between the medicine arrives in the country and the medicines is used by a patient. Is it that Translation, we'll have our operatives in there pushing this shit on the people and take care of anybody that gets in the way. For example, we have now breast cancer medicines. They are very expensive medicines. There are women in Africa that they have breast cancer. They're not diagnosed all. And one thing is to say, we don't invest in diagnosing breast cancer because we don't have the medicine anyway. Now you will have the medicine, but you need both. So we will send uh, also experts from our side. We have a program that uh, we call Global Fellows. So everyone in Pfizer can raise their hand and say, I volunteer. I want to go to work with the NGO for six months or nine months. And uh, we guarantee his position when he goes back. We keep providing the salary and we provide also cost accommodations. And we network with these organizations. Physicians can go. So remember the... the, um whole things about uh, the opioid crisis and the, the documentaries that we discussed. I'm not even remembering the name of the, the later one that told it from the government's point of view, but what were they doing? The pharmaceutical cartels, they were bringing these doctors out on these lavish trips, right? And paying them, you know, ex- expenses every weekend <laughs> at this luxury resort. that was really great. And those guys become hooked on that they become hooked into the lie because they've told it to other people and they kept pushing greater and greater amounts of these addictive opiates on their patients because the man in the white lab coat the the pharmaceutical cartel drug rep said the experiment must continue doctor doctors engineers can go to help with this country so we will do all of that so to make sure that it's not only we wash our hands 
we send your medicines, we care to make an impact. We care to make a difference. So you are becoming really a global health provider. And Unfortunately, I... I yeah, they're going to use all these governments to force this crap down people's throats, whether they want it or not. To foresee the future. Yes. Or do we have to, and I may immediately ask a second question, uh, should we be afraid of another virus? And um, yeah. what does it mean? How we... Uh now, I can't remember the clip. I think this one might be it, or it could be another one, but... If you remember, there's that video of his throat doing this weird thing. Well, it's doing it in this interview. There's a few places where it's like, uh, here, let me move this out of the way, but it's coming across his neck like this rather than this muscle right here or this one back here. Very strange. Don't know what's going on there, but watch for it. It creates a necessary resilience personally, nationally, mm. globally. On the first question, I don't think that the virus will disappear. Uh, we are not certain about it, but wait, wait! I thought I thought we were going zero COVID for a while. Is that not? We're not not on team zero COVID anymore. Okay. Most scientists agree that the virus will be around forever. Oh. But the real question that everybody is asking is not this. It is: Can we get our lives back? Can we live normal? Can normal economic activity, normal social activity? Can we make the mass formation end, please? Please. We're begging you. With a virus presence. And the answer is yes. We'll do anything. I think we can. Absent a variant that we are not, have not foreseen right oh. now that can happen, but it's not the most likely scenario. You mean like the one that Gert's predicting as the most likely scenario? Where the uh, vir virulence, which is currently being blocked by... The vaccines by the the, the uh, immune system of the vaccinated suddenly gets overcome and starts making everybody really sick in new places in their body. That that's not going to happen. I think we have the means right now, very effective vaccines, as the various uh, as effective. the as the as very effective vaccines. You heard that right? As the virus mutates, we have the ability to follow up and let's say, update the vaccines, and to have treatments. With that, people should not die anymore, yeah. even if we are not following the way that we are following the, the social measures in the past. People shouldn't be dying in the first place if you hadn't have stepped on treatments and pushed a policy of, here's a couple Tylenol, go home and come back when you can't breathe and instead actually treated the disease, we would have had something like 160,000 deaths versus the million plus that they're counting today. And it would have been just another flu season. They engineered this entire thing to loot the treasury of trillions of dollars, and we all fell for it. Now, on the second question, shall we are afraid of, of a new... Uh, very different virus that would come and to have now all these examples with uh, the monkey pox. I don't think we should be afraid, but I think we should be prepared. Yeah. And that should, even the little fear that we have, we should, that should ease it. And if we are prepared, I think science will win. Get your vaccines today, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, some people may argue 
uh, you have now these new treatments. Um, some people may argue, why should I get vaccinated if there is a treatment? Well, how would you respond? Because I think the goal is not for you to get sick and then treat you. <laughs> the goal is to prevent the oh, sickness. Right. And that will maximize your... You know, by injecting yourself with something that's wrapped in a toxic lipid nanoparticle that will make you sick. Brilliant logic there. Chances to do well, and that will maximize the chances of people that you love not to get infected. Oh. You vaccinate. Oh. We're back to the vaccines are stopping infections again, I guess. Not only for yourself. You vaccinate also to protect society, and particularly to protect those that you love the most, because they are the ones that you are together. Right, right. What, what do you first... Except, you know, even Bill Gates is going to tell us the vaccines don't do that. See, um, I mean, most of... Uh, we, we, I think we set the standard, because in Switzerland, for those who do not know, there are no restrictions anymore, so we set the standard that we uh, require vaccination. Now, how many vaccinations... So a little good news coming out of the World Economic Forum. Everybody there is at least on paper vaccinated. Now, some of them probably had their doctors just fake it so that or took saline or who knows what so they can get access to whatever they want and haven't actually been vaccinated. But a lot of them probably fell for it, folks. Which means this is going to largely self-correct do we need in the future? It's a very good question. And I think, uh, first of all, I think we will need vaccinations in the future, but also I'm concerned that the compliance of the population with Mm. the recommendations of the experts will not be very high. More people did the first dose, and then lesser did the second, and then lesser will do the third and the fourth. Would, Would that be because the first dose made them sick? And the second dose made even more made them even more sick, and the third dose made even more of those people sick. Is that why they're not taking them? Because they don't work, and they actually are harmful and toxic and deadly. And um, so, for that reason, we need to find the solution that makes it easy for people to get. And I think this solution, it is. The number one priority is to have a vaccine that lasts a year. So once people know that it is once a year, I do it. So one that, uh, you know, actually works. Because that's what that would mean. It would, that it actually works instead of uh, the antibodies fading after a few weeks. And then faster and faster with each successive booster. Every autumn, for example, fall, uh, I think that will improve the amount of people that they are getting the vaccine. And I think you, there are also certain attempts to combine it with a anti-flu vaccine. That is another very good way to make it, uh, uh, to, to improve compliance. If someone thinks that I'm going to go to the doctor or to the pharmacy, but at least with one shot I will get two, flu and vi- that also will increase the number. So this- and this is the same thing they do with the childhood vaccines. And that whole schedule, they combine them. So if you, uh, you know, like with our daughter, we didn't follow their schedule. We didn't give her all of them. There were some that I didn't want her to get, but because they paired it with two others and didn't offer it any other way, you can't not do it. 
So that's what he means by compliance, removing your ability to make that choice for yourself. This is the CEO of a, this is the figurehead of the Moderna crime family telling us this. See it for what it is. These are the things, it's very difficult to improve the efficacy right now. It's very, very high, but what you can improve. <laughs> the efficacy is very, very high. Well, let's hear from Bill Gates on that, shall we? We, you know, we're Bill doesn't look too good there. I mean, he's kind of a little, little hesitant. Doesn't look like, sound like his usual cheerful self. Lucky if this had been 10 years ago, uh, some of these vaccine technologies did not exist. If it comes 10 years from now, we should have far, far better diagnostic technology. That is be able to scale up. You know, like those ones that he, the company that he invested in to do those little test boxes that he's now touting at the TED talk and pushing out on governments everywhere that he had, you know, when, once that was announced, then the PCR test get sunsetted at December of last year. Remember that? Yeah. It's very profitable to be Bill Gates. Every country within a month, uh, to diagnose their entire population, we should have much better therapeutics. Some of which will be so now, you know, within a month, they release their bioweapon. It gets confirmed everywhere. And the WHO steps in to seize control because, well, I mean, it's the machine says that there's a pandemic. So therefore, there must be a pandemic. And you just, I mean, it's, it's the WHO. You're a member. You have to abide by the terms. Pathogen independent. And then, you know, as we do come up with vaccines, we want vaccines that are infection blocking and long duration, which oh. today, you know, the vaccines have saved millions of lives, oh, of but they, they don't have, have uh, much in the way of duration and they're not, they're not good at infection blocking. <laughs> Directly contradicting exactly what Albert just told us. Of course, there's also, you know, he did say though, that they are very, very effective right? They have very high efficacy. Well, it turns out that's a giant lie too. Jicky Leaks, Jicky the mouse here has a new cheese alert for us. Analysis of the antibody testing data from the Pfizer data dump shows that they're too good to be true graph and the famous 95% prevention of infection claim cannot be real. So here's the data <clears throat> and what you can see is this red line going bottom to top, kind of in a in a wedge shape, a ramp up. And, and then there's this blue line down at the bottom that kind of follows the red line for seven days, and then boom, it goes flat and just barely ticks up at all to a total of uh, eight, I think. So what's going on here? Well, this is showing that the unvaccinated kept getting infected with COVID while the vaccinated, it just stopped after seven days. It was a miracle. Or was it, right? So they had eight uh, subjects in their trial that uh, took the active biologic, 162 that got COVID uh, after seven, day, seven days after the dose two, which gives us the famous vaccine efficacy of 95% because eight people caught it in the, in the active group, 162 in the placebo. So therefore, this thing obviously works like a charm, right? 
not so fast. You see, their claim was that the 162 people in the placebo group got COVID-19 infection, but only eight in the BNT uh, 162B2 group, a 95% reduction. So was there another way to test infection rates? Well, yes, there is. The N antibodies, the nucleocapsid antibodies. Remember that thing on the SARS-CoV-2 virus? That when you get natural infection and let the innate immune system handle it, it comes in with its little sniffers and inspects all the, the DNA of the spike protein that the vaccine produces, but also the N spike, the nucleocapsid spike, as well as the shell in the envelope of the virus. So it has a much bigger, more complete picture of what this thing might look like so that when the variants come in, they get attacked and defeated and are easily dealt with. Whereas in the vaccinated, what's happening? They're only producing the spike, 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 so the body doesn't ever produce the antibodies for the nucleocapsid. If it did, it might actually work a lot better. It doesn't. So since the Pfizer dump and site 4444, you remember that's the one that signed up an impossible amount of people and it was the pharmaceutical cartel's fixer who was behind it and supposedly entering millions of pages of data all by himself in a two-week period to enroll all of these trial participants at the very last moment to make sure that the numbers looked good enough. That site 4444. Discovery of a few of us have been beavering away uh, looking at their own data, which is a mess, and trying to corroborate it. Uh, I bet Brooke Jackson might be involved in that as well. I'll have to ask her. Here is the in-antibody data from their ADVA file. Uh, it takes some work to get this data. but uh, So what are we looking at here? Positive to positive, this is what they're doing is they're testing for these in-antibodies in visit one and in visit three is what we're looking at when I guess they ran the test. So you had some, you had about 340 people in the active biologic and 380 people in the placebo group that were positive both times, meaning they already had COVID when they went into the trial. Negative both times, meaning they never were exposed to COVID was 15,900 in the active biologic, 15,700 in the placebo controlled group. But then the real important one here is negative and then positive, meaning during the trial, they caught COVID, developed antibodies for the N spike, the nucleocapsid antibodies. And uh, that would mean they did catch the virus, right? And that in the active biologic was 75. And in the placebo group, it's 160. But remember also, this right here. We went through this thread as well. And that showed us that in this third line down here, I can barely point to it. Uh, when you get the shot first and then you catch the virus, which is exactly what we're being shown here, that's negative first and then positive because they caught the virus, that, uh, well, the body only produces the nucleocapsid antibodies 40% of the time which means that this 75 number here is 40% of the total, roughly. So there were way more people who caught COVID, but what did they do? Why aren't they showing up? Well, 
We're about to find out. Note both groups are similar. We have checked that they are not statistically different, except in the group which were negative N for N antibodies at the start of the trial and positive for N antibodies at visit three one month after dose two, i.e. were they infected with COVID-19 at the time? So that's what we just covered. That group, negative to positive, reflects groups that got infected with SARS-CoV-2 during the study period. Well, that's interesting because the number in the placebo group is similar to the magical 162. But instead of eight in the vaccine group, like their original graph up here, that's what this blue line is showing, that only eight people caught COVID in our trial because our vaccine efficacy is 95%, right? That would mean that uh, there were actually 75 But as he points out, on the face of it, the vaccine is still working just uh, because the vaccine efficacy here is 53%, 3% over the, you know, random chance. Nowhere near the 95%, but it's worse because the vaccinated don't produce N antibodies at the same rate as the unvaccinated. That's what he's referencing right here, this data, okay? In fact, and he's got the study right there linked as well. Uh, in fact, the rate of N antibodies between vaccinated with mRNA and unvaccinated who were unknown infection was 43% was 40% versus 93%. That is, the vaccinated produce N antibodies 2.3 times less often during infection than the unvaccinated, right? So it wasn't in all of the people as well, Um Sorry, uh, all of the people who were not vaccinated but got infected, but all but 6% of them, okay? And so that's what that's how he came up with the 2.3x, was comparing that 40% versus the 93. So then you take that and you adjust the number of patients who tested positive at the one month, the 75, and you multiply it by 2.3, which gives us this right here. In the active biologic group, the people that caught COVID in the trial, 172. In the placebo, 160. So this thing has absolutely zero efficacy. And then there's the chance of all the side effects and adverse reactions and long-term consequences of this experimental bioweapon being produced inside your own body developed by the U.S. government and the deep state to depopulate the planet. In fact, anything over 130 in the BNT uh, group here would mean that there was no significant difference in documented infection rates. Uh, So even if the multiplication was a conservative 2x instead of 2.3x, there would still be no difference, right? So even if you account for a margin of error in that 40% number, presumably they thought nobody would notice so they could claim that there was 95% reduction in infection rate based solely off of a PCR test that they controlled in their own lab. Unfortunately, we did. Their own data says that was false. And there's the link. He's got the link to the uh, ICANN uh, website where you can download this data. And he's got an update here where he said, uh, because there are a few people making the same mistake, I'll try to clarify. The sponsor only ever claimed that there was a 95% reduction in cases, which they defined as being a positive PCR test conducted in their own lab. Okay, do you see what they did? They gamed the system. How many uh, cycles did they do? 
for the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. Were they the same? Was it 18? Was it 45? Was it 40? Where, how, how bad did they uh, amplify the false positives? Uh, so here he's got a couple things highlighted from this document, which will be tested at a central laboratory. Uh, the central laboratory NAAT result will be used for the case definition. So there he's showing in their own documentation where they're saying we're, we're the ones doing the testing. You, they, the labs, the, the clinics collect the samples. They send them to us. We test them. We're going to, you can trust us to tell you the real uh, breakdown of this information here. And uh, that's how we're going to define cases. And that's what our efficacy number is based off of. Absolute lie, folks. It's an absolute lie. Wake up. It's a question which I ask now as the audience is maybe not fair, but uh, uh, despite, let's say, no restrictions in Switzerland, we insisted on being vaccinated, being tested twice. To go to this uh, conference, right? Um, uh, of course, why does that make any sense since the vaccine doesn't stop infection? And uh, this may become a standard for future meetings anyway. I mean, if we are not getting uh, rid of the virus, uh, anybody who felt uh, this was uh, too much, or I, I said it's an unfair question because who were there? Yeah, I mean, you know, just go ahead and raise your hand before Lord Schwab there. No adverse consequences will come out of you objecting to their policy. Not at all. Who will have? But uh, I, I just can share with you, we had many internal, we had many internal uh, discussions. Now, when you... Now, you ask about regulators. I think both EMA and FDA and most regulators, the, the UK regulators as well, I think they belong in the category that they did extremely well. I think they understood the situation and they stood, they sacrificed themselves also a lot. I know that preparing the final report, maybe 30 of our people couldn't sleep for five days and they would. You know, probably doing all that data cleaning, that's, that's hard work, right? Scrubbing the data, getting the hospitals to change the diagnosis. From, from, you know, whatever happened to them to COVID or whatever they can use to scapegoat it and get their numbers, fabricated numbers together that they hand over to the FDA? Send, and then they go to bed. And then the next day, FDA will start. Selfless, tireless. The FDA people. people will not sleep for five days to review the data. Yeah. All of them. Because usually they're they working so hard to help us all. And they've done such a wonderful job here. These people are heroes. They should be lauded everywhere they go, right? six months and now they were doing it in one week so amazing this Did you see that jump right was there? crucial for our success hold on, we wouldn't hold on. be able one week so one week, 30 fda people will not sleep for five days to review the date watch his yeah. neck because usually take six months and now they were doing it in one week so Oof, yeah this he just jumped big time there because his body was very uncomfortable with the lie that he just told that was a big jerk in the chair He's getting more and more uncomfortable with what they're covering as we go through this, you'll see. Was crucial for our success. We wouldn't be able to do what we did without this collaboration. Now, there are some other examples, but for example, when in countries that uh, there are multiple senders of, uh, 
of scientific authority, but they don't coordinate very well. And some happen also in the U.S., uh, sometimes between NIA. And, you know, it's, uh, it'd be better if there were one organization that we could come in and co-opt and uh, force our policies on the entire country without a lot of this squabbling and bribes and stuff. That, that's very complicated. It slows down our plans for world domination. It'd be great if y'all could all just get in line. And CDC and the FDA was not always, let's say, the most smooth uh, collaboration. They are the first ones to recognize that this is happening. And I think they already announced that they try to find ways so that they can be better. When you at forcing the narrative down your throat, whatever it is, whatever the establishment, the pharmaceutical cartels want to push on the people, are ready to test on, run clinical trials, phase two trials. Who is actually carrying the risk and uh, the liability if something oh, that's a good is question. happening? I mean, if it's not working out well. Most, uh... But that, I mean, that is not... These viruses, of course, I mean, the, these vaccines, of course, they are working out very well at uh, fulfilling their intended purpose. Uh, countries, they identify them. In the U.S. and in Europe was always clearly identified. So they are taking uh, the liability if there are lawsuits, for example, against that. So, so, yeah, in the U.S., that gets swept into the vaccine injury courts where everything's secret. And the damages are capped and it's paid out by the government instead of the cartels, which is the same reason that the vaccine schedule has exploded because they can throw your shit on there and now it gets mandated, guaranteed money coming in the door. Hey, that's good for business, right? And you can't get sued for it. So, I mean, hey, you get to keep all the money even if you hurt people. The government is taking so It is. It was some uh, issue with uh, uh, the U.S. and Europe were ready for that already. But I think most of the issues were with some um, countries that were not familiar with that. Yeah. Um, so if they didn't know, right, that, hey, man, we're going to sell this and you give it to all your people, but don't come looking to us to be responsible here. You, you, you got to take the fall for this and, and, and pay for this. Don't expect us to. Okay. If they didn't know that that's how this pharmaceutical cartel operated apparently that was worked out in their in those contracts you know those real thick contracts that they forced everyone to sign in order to get the vaccines that they lied to everybody and made them feel panicked and scared and that the world was coming to an end in order to want them in the first place that's what he's referring to right there we took um, what what was our concern with the vaccine, it's not with any other medicines. For example, now we don't ask anyone to do anything on liabilities, but with the vaccine, that we knew that there is a very fanatic group of anti-vaxxers <laughs> that will go after us no matter what. They will claim that the sun didn't go up because people were vaccinated and that- Or that your vaccine has an efficacy of 0% and you fi fabricated trial data. Of course, that was Pfizer's trial data, but Guarantee you, Moderna did exactly the same thing. Wake, open your eyes, people. It's the same damn product. Doesn't work any better when it's this guy that created it than the other cartel family. Created issues with the crop, so I'm suing you. And one thing it is to sue you in the U.S., another thing is to sue you in a country 
were. So he's going after the fraudsters, spreading the misinformation about their great and wonderful product. All hail. The legal system is not up to that standards or in Switzerland, right? So I think that's behind us. Uh, everything <laughs> went okay, and now I think we can move on. I think we were, we were both uh, targets of the anti-vaccine uh, movements and uh, conspiracy uh, people uh, claiming that I had triple, I wondered what it is, tri triple um, uh, COVID. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm, it's uh, like, uh, you know, that thing where the people who are vaccinated are five to six more times likely to catch COVID. And, and like keep getting it. Why? <laughs> well, Gert explains that to us brilliantly. And it's about to get a lot worse. Well, it was, uh, I think he got uh, hundreds of thousands of clicks and so on. Uh, I know you were also target. Um, I read one day that was arrested by FBI. Yeah, same happened to me. And there are pictures, pictures of me and FBI officers. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. I never said and we looked at that, debunked it in a day. It was one of these most ridiculous conspiracy sites that could be very well be controlled opposition to give them these talking points. Yes, they are absolutely that sophisticated. Surprising thing it is that the same publication I found out because I uh, had published the previous one that was arrested was the Pope. <laughs> and this is the, the Q crowd, or at least some, some portion of it, that wants to believe these things, even though... It's based on some bullshit, like that clip that we opened the show with, right? <laughs> so ridiculous, yeah. So we are ridiculous. good company. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> At least I was in good company. Yeah. Let me show you something that's not ridiculous. Are you ready for the sovereignty and authority of the United States and 193 other nations over the uh, over to the WHO? It's happening this week. And instead of the usual 18-month grace period for one of the 194 nations voting to change its vote, the Biden administration has proposed it be changed in six months. That means the WHO and its newly given power, you know, those IHRs, the international health regulations, that are going to give the WHO the power to dictate policy in all of the member countries, you know, only... For emergency purposes during a pandemic, I mean, uh, they get to define what is a pandemic using the, the Bill Gates testing device that he's going to push out to all these countries that can very rapidly be configured to pump out whatever test result they need to justify their actions, right? That means the WHO and its newly given power will take effect right around the midterms. And Biden is setting the stage for a monkeypox outbreak. We've been given all that propaganda, and Jickey's gone into that. And, oh, what do you know? There is a Israeli monkeypox virus that they manipulated that's a very close match to the one that's being found and sequenced, but only one problem in the genetic sequence, you know, like what we looked at for the spike protein and talked about with the stop codons. There's these long strings of ends that are read errors where apparently they just couldn't sequence these certain sections of the monkeypox virus. It's definitely not because those are the sections where they did the genetic inserts to make it into a deadly pathogenic bioweapon. It's just read through error and it's a total coincidence. Okay. 
I think we may be in for something that will make the last couple of years look like a vacation. Yeah, probably. I think we will see a lot of advancements with mRNA. And the good thing after the success of COVID it is that right now we have a substantial wave of companies, biotechs and big pharmas that are working on mRNA. A lot. And they are working on multiple applications of mRNA. Uh, so I think the first, the, the first things that I'm hopeful to see it is other vaccines other than COVID. A flu vaccine with mRNA, a singles vaccine with mRNA, other vaccines. You know, because the COVID ones work the so damn well. The second wave, I think that uh, we could see it is cancer. We are uh, there is a lot of research that. Are- you know, because the COVID vaccine is causing a lot of cancer, so it'd be great if we could go ahead and fix that for the people that we made sick, and charge them more money for. What's happening for many years now, trying to use your immune system to attack your cancer cells to train your. Right, because, I mean, they've understood it so well up to this point when they said that the vaccine would stop infection, would stop spread, would let people return to normal. They wouldn't have to wear masks anymore. Remember all that? They were so right about how this thing would interact with the immune system. Let's let them do it again. Our immune system, as the vaccine is training to attack the virus and kill it, is to, to kill your uh, cancer cell. Then Except, we are going- uh, you know, one problem with that, it doesn't kill the virus because it's a non-sterilizing antibodies that get produced by your vaccine. So, or as a result of your, the, the genetic bioweapon that you pump out, that the, the immune system is responding to. So you haven't figured that out yet. And here he is telling all these wealthy people yeah, we've got this. Don't worry. Give us your money. To the third horizon, which the technology will be used for gene editing, to be able, if people are, are born, they have a genetic disease that is right now, it is untreatable, and in many cases, a death sentence for those. There's nothing that they can do about it. Now we have some hopes that maybe that also can work. So we will see a lot. Oh, great. So they're going full on Gattaca at this point. That sounds wonderful. Doesn't it? That was such a wonderful world to exist in where uh, your your lot in life is predetermined by your genetic code. A lot of advancements, exactly because so many people are working. We are working on that as well, on all of that, but there are also many others, so that increases the chances that something will come out. You need to know that to have some other heroes in Pfizer, but uh, they didn't become so famous. There are the people that are working in all our injectable and hospital products. We are the largest supplier of injectable products to the world. And uh, suddenly with COVID, we saw that the demand was going for some medicines that were needed in ICUs from 50 to 500 times. Not, and we had to manage this uptick in supply while we had to operate the manufacturing sites under COVID conditions. So very strict, who goes mm-hmm. in, who goes out. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of what they were able to do because really the world, we didn't see, with few exceptions here and there that were transial, big issue with ICUs don't have their medicines. They were transial, as I said, but it could have been a disaster. And- if they hadn't had, you know, some of those medicines that they were giving people, that caused them to die because then they wouldn't have been able to justify their pandemic 
I'm sorry, their pandemic that we need to push these vaccines that made them tens of billions of dollars. And it was not because of the work that they did. Didn't you have... Oh, oh yeah, applaud that. Thank you for I mean, that. They're heroes, folks. They're, they're all heroes. Didn't Trying to tease the others that you, you have now to prove that you have uh, um, uh, your moment. And uh, you, cancer team, you saw what the vaccines team did. So now is your time to sign. <laughs> Bring us the cure, not only the... So and uh, Oh, that'll work out great. Because you remember, we told the story of how Moderna got started and what type of CEO it, he is. He goes around screaming at people, telling them they better get results. And if they don't, he fires them which creates an environment where people are incentivized to fabricate results to avoid getting fired, which leads to deadly products being unleashed on the masses. Um, they do. Actually, vaccines was one of the six business units of Pfizer, and the other five were watching them doing their thing, and they were also wanting to have their moment. And... The second one was the infectious disease unit that did the treatment. That killed everybody. And I'm sure they- yeah, that was great. Not everybody, but a large number of the people that took it because they were actually using the cartel's uh, leverage to force treatments that don't work while suppressing ones that do so that they could ramp up the fear and push this vaccine that killed a lot of people have had some doubts yourself because uh, there was such an expectation level of the public and it could have gone wrong with uh, some uh, setbacks or some bad cases. (laughs) It could have gone wrong. So glad it didn't and everything worked out well and we've saved the planet. How did you manage yourself this tension over such a long time? It was tension for all and uh, for me. And uh, the, the truth is that the CEO is in a lonely position because Watch there's no one to stop you here. if you make a mistake. So, which means that back stops with you there and you are responsible Ooh, for everything. Did you see right? his shoulder twitch? Uh, but um, I felt that, Let me back that what up. really made that me again. drive is there's no one to stop you if you make a mistake. So, which means that buck stops with you there and you are responsible for everything. And then he, he's leaning back. He's closing his eyes. He does not want to associate himself with the consequences for what he's done. Right. Uh, you see that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He knows. He knows, folks. Um, but um, I felt that what really made me drive is we don't have any option here. What oh. is the option? Not to do it and then what? Have the world... Uh- you get fired. No more nice restaurants, private jet, all that lifestyle. Die? I mean, if Pfizer wouldn't engage full speed in something like that yeah. with all hands on deck when the world was needing something like that, who would do it? Right? So there was... Very- Nobody. We, we'd all be done with this and moved on. Because the natural immunity of the population would have developed into herd immunity, which it can't now because of your vaccines and your vaccination policy of vaccinating across all age groups, regardless of risk. Congratulations. 
created lifelong customers for whatever time they have left? Very clear. That's what uh, we have to do. And that uh, keeps you dry. When, when you understand that this is what is at stake, you understand that if you lose three billions, kill a few people, it will be painful, but it's not it's going acceptable. to be the end of the world. But if we don't find the solution, yeah. it's going to be very painful for all. Because everybody going to die. Of course. Of course, right? These people aren't like sociopaths or anything. No. I mean, here's Lord on High Klaus Schwab in his ceremonial gab. And why do they take these pictures at the World Economic Forum? Because in their mind where they want to take the normies is that he's the father of modern society. Father Klaus, look, here he is bringing a new edict to humanity at the World Health Organization. This is the propaganda for 10, 20 years down the road to brainwash the Orwellian society that they are trying to push on all of us. This is what will be played at the rallies, just like is all over North Korea, hung from all the buildings. Lord Schwab, the grandfather of our modern society. Yeah, that's who these people are, folks. That's who these people are. Let's look at something else here. I want you to see this, how experimental vaccines, let's see if I can hopefully blow that up a little bit. There we go, perfect. How experimental military vaccines killed millions during the 1918 Spanish flu. So I referenced this last week. Uh, or Sunday, uh, history tells us that the Spanish flu in 1918 killed between 50 and 100 million people. It was considered as the most horrifying disease by medical and pharmaceutical sources. It is a wartime myth still being perpetuated to cover up the experimental military vaccines which killed millions during the Spanish flu. Eleanor Bean, author of Vaccination Condemned, describes her personal and family experiences during the 1918 Spanish flu. The coverage by McBean, who is an unvaccinated survivor, will let you revisit this historical event. McBean provides evidence that the historical events of 1918 Spanish flu were compromised. The same was done with polio and the swine flu epidemics, which is also being done now with COVID. Since this, since Spain, or will be, you know, with all these vaccine injuries, they're going to try and blame it on monkeypox. Meanwhile, when they actually test for it, 95% of it is not monkeypox, it's uh, herpes outbreaks. Why? Because of the toll-like receptors 3, 4, or 7, and 8, I forget which, which is preventing the body's response to viruses, and the other one is to cancers. That's why you have all these people catching viruses, catching very fast, aggressive cancers that kill them before they can even get the biopsy back. It's been happening for probably over a year now. And they what do they want to do? They want to scapegoat Spain as the source here. So Spain was neutral during World War I, so it didn't hesitate to report the 1918 flu epidemic, which was, and they were scapegoated as a result as the source, calling it the Spanish flu, right? That's not the truth, though. A massive military vaccination experiment was conducted in, in Fort Riley, Kansas, where the first Spanish flu case was reported 
For the first time, the pharmaceutical industry got the supply of human test subjects, which was sponsored by the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research. The U.S. military supplied a pool of 6 million men as test subjects for the vaccination experiments. World War I, U.S. soldiers were given 14 to 25 untested experimental vaccines within days of each other. Oh, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Which triggered intestified uh, in, cases of all of the diseases at once. The doctors called it a new disease and proceeded to suppress the symptoms with additional drugs or vaccines. Sounds like what they're doing today. And here's an article, smallpox vaccine triggered the AIDS virus. Autopsies done after the war proved that the 1918 Spanish flu was not a flu. It was instead a disease caused by the experimental bacterial meningitis vaccine. This disease mimics the symptoms just as the flu. A large number of vaccinated soldiers were killed by this experimental vaccine. And those who were not, uh, were not vaccinated were not affected. So it's this disease, wow, seems that the people who weren't vaccinated just don't seem to catch it. It's amazing. Huge quantities of unused experimental vaccines were left unused as World War I ended abruptly. Uh, abruptly. The U.S. government started the campaign of spreading fear among the civilians, saying that when the soldiers will return to their families, the disease will spread to the family members as well. And by doing this, they succeeded in using tens of millions of civilians as test subjects for experimental vaccines. As a result, millions of civilians died after wartime, just as the soldiers did. Hence, instead of reducing the risk, it intensified the situation, and it was termed as the Great Spanish Flu of 1918, which only the vaccinated died. Seven men dropped dead in a doctor's office after being vaccinated. How many times have we shown you those videos? People go in to get the shot, and they're carried out on a stretcher, and a lot of them don't make it. Next, who's next? Come on, we got an, an open spot here. Letters were sent to their families that they had been killed in action, so they covered up those deaths of people dying after getting the injection. A week after, the World Health Organization declared that its decade-long vaccination campaign in Africa was successful, its own oral vaccine itself sparked a new polio outbreak in the continent. The outbreak was was uh, caused by a mutation of a strain in the vaccine, which might be what this whole adenovirus is all about, right? That may have recombined with the spike to become something that is kicking kids' butt when they get it, which might be my daughter right now. She's sick, but we don't, no, I think it's an ear infection, but who knows with what they've done and what they've unleashed on all of this. But the, the suspicion is that a lot of these hepatitis infections that kids are getting and some of which are dying from is a result of a mutation of this adenovirus. And that because the one that they had the body create was not uh, infectious or anything. So it's an example of the virus, again, mutating to get around the block the, the blockage to become more virulent and more infectious. First more infectious, then more virulent. Neil Ferguson is a British scientist and professor at the Imperial College who developed mathematical pandemic computer models for COVID-19 based on which national policies were drafted. Now, we've covered some of those. 
wildly inflated models that have been proven correct in sorry incorrect not just incorrect but wildly incorrect they had you know their worst outcome likely outcome low outcome and even the low outcome was like 10x over actual that's how far off they were and they did nothing to correct that because the incentive here is not to predict that it's going to be no big deal it's going to be predict to predict that it's going to be tragic and catastrophic and the government's going to need all this new power and by the way get the treasury on the phone however all the models provided by neil ferguson have been proven to be misleading and still the world's following his COVID 19 model for instance uh, per Ferguson's model in Sweden would experience 100,000 deaths in June 2020, but they peaked at only 2,854 deaths till, total till now as when they wrote this article. So a little bit off there, 100,000 predicted, 2,800 actual. The Swedish model has proven the ineffectiveness of WHO COVID policies. There's also the case of Germany where the federal minister hired scientists to, to develop a fake coronavirus model to justify the strict lockdowns they declared that was declared unconstitutional by the courts finally but uh, you know like hey it's no big deal they already got away with it right the who's policies on the type of drug treatment for covid-19 were also exposed to be influenced by fake data by a porn star and a science fiction writer we covered that one as well the fake corona models were further uh, complement with faulty test protocols that's the whole pcr scam and it just goes on and on and on. This whole thing has been one giant fraud, folks. Okay, I'm going to skip that one. I want to show you what's happening to some of the vaccine injured here. I want you to listen to this. And um, Can I ask first, did you get it because you were scared of COVID or did you get to keep your job? The latter. Yeah, it wasn't anything to do with COVID. And <clears throat> to be honest, I had a lot of hesitancy about getting it. And I felt instinctively that it was going against everything that I believed in. But I did it because I guess I felt like my back was against the wall and um, I felt forced to do it. Um, and this, the, uh, ironically, the first dose that I had, I didn't have any reaction to. So I had this false pretense that it was going to be okay and the next that night I started to feel really ill um, dizziness um, nausea disorientation um, and then the next the next morning I felt even worse and I started to not be able to feel the tops of my legs properly and then I started to get really crushing pain in the middle of my chest and sensation of heaviness so then um, my friend happened to ring me and say, are you okay? Because she's very aware of everything that's happening. And I said, actually, I'm not. And she said, oh, I'll come and get you and take you to hospital. She took me to hospital. <laughs> and um, when I, I got admitted pretty much straight away, um, I thought... I thought by going to a private hospital that would it would be better, but I was wrong. Um, I got in there and the doctor in ED looked panicked by my symptoms, by what I was telling her, but she wouldn't say what she knew. And she she basically said, um, she took my blood and she said my D-dimers were very high. And she said, you've got a clot in your lungs. 
Um, and I just, I just looked at her and I was so afraid. I started crying. Um, and I said, what, is, what does that mean? And my friend was crying more than me. Um, and she said, well, we need to do a CAT scan and check it. And she's, then I started to get. What the reason they're crying? Because that's something that <coughs> the majority of people who experience don't survive five years. Check it. And she's, then I started to get jaw pain. And she said, have you got any history of heart attacks in your family? I said, yes, I have. And then she looked more panicked. And she said, well, you know, for your next dose, you need to have Panadol and Nurofen before you take your next booster. So it takes, you know, before you take the thing that did all this to you and, and take more of it, make sure to take some heart medication first. But don't not take it. Definitely you want to take it. Um, because your next time will be worse. When you come into hospital next time, it'll be worse they than know. this. They know what this I is said, doing, and they're still pushing this? it. And she said, well, that's what you need to expect. Um, and then I had the CAT scan, and it turned out to be okay. But then they wanted to admit me for a couple of nights, and I stayed in there for a couple of nights. And then as each um, nurse did their hand over for the shift, the nurse would say, um, oh, this is, this is Renee. Um, she's just in here for a bit of dizziness for Pfizer. But she's fine. She's going home. That's all. Just a little and dizziness. And that was the script that they used for each nurse. She'll be fine. Don't worry about these people. Of me to the next nurse. And then We've treated it. Everything's going to be um, fine. The next day. And he again said, um, you've had a neurological reaction to this dose. Um, next time, take Moderna, not Pfizer. And I said, why would I take Moderna? He said, well, you just need to take it. Um, and I'm like, just so, I was just dumbfounded by their attitudes. So there's no offer, option of not taking it? No, there was never any alternative. It was when you do this next time, this is what you are to expect and this is what you are to do. Um, and then I got out of hospital and then afterwards, 15 days later, I got um, laryngitis, then I got chest infection, then I actually got COVID in March Not after all that. And I was hit really bad by it. I was really, really sick. I ended up with bronchitis, got admitted to hospital. I nearly got pneumonia. Not this was surprising. just in the beginning of March. and. There was never any alternative. It was when you do this next time, this is what you are to expect and this is what you are to do. Um, and then I got out of hospital. People have been that are meant to be professionals, that are meant to be putting our health... Or protecting you. Yeah, as a human being first. That's been a really disturbing eye-opener for me. Um, you did it to keep your job? In a way, and what's your job? I, w I work for um, a company in Perth, uh, and you worked, so you've lost the job. I haven't lost my job because I had the two doses, but now they are asking me to get my third dose, and I have um, the four-month exemption for having ab COVID. Absolutely, ironically. Insanity. So, um, yeah, but even if I got the exemption for Pfizer, they would still insist on me having a different MR, different to the mRNA technology vaccine, why not COVID vaccine, gene therapies. So 
And of course, it doesn't matter because the spike is the spike and the spike is what's <clears throat> getting cut up and turned into the fibrin or the uh, fibrils. These people are insane. Um, that's it. It's insane. It's insane. Thank you. Thank you. Poor people don't um, deserve this. They don't. So here's, um, I read this and I'm just like, holy crap. This is Russell Blaylock. He's a neurosurgeon. He's published something in PubMed uh, in the NIH Library of Medicine. And it is a absolutely scathing review of what was done. We're not going to go through all of it, but there's, I just want you to know that there are people from the inside who are speaking up and saying the right things. And this is one example. This was published uh, April 22nd, so it's about a month old at this point. And he says, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is one of the most manipulated infectious disease events in history, characterized by official lies in an unending stream led by government bureaucracies, medical associations, medical boards, the media, and international agencies. We have witnessed a long list of unprecedented intrusions into medical practice, including attacks on medical experts, destruction of medical careers among doctors refusing to participate in the killing of their patients, and by a massive regimentation of healthcare led by non-qualified individuals with enormous wealth, power, and influence, like Bill Gates, right? For the first time in American history, a president, governors, mayors, hospital administrators, and federal bureaucrats are determining medical treatments based on not accurately, accurate, scientifically based, or even experience-based information, but rather to force the acceptance of special forms of care and prevention, including remdesivir, which, you know, kills 25, uh, 75% of the people that get three doses of it, use respirators, and ultimately a series of essential untested messenger RNA vaccines. For the first time in history, the medical treatment protocols are not being formulated based on the experience of physicians treating the largest number of patients successfully, the way it, you, know, you think logically that it should happen, whoever's doing it right and the people are recovering and getting better, we should probably all do more of that. But rather, individuals and bureaucracies that have never treated a single patient, including Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, EcoHealth Alliance, the Peter Daszak CIA cutout, the CDC, the WHO, state and public health officials, and hospital administrators, the internalists, right, that are the ones dictating the policy for the corporations instead of the doctors determining treatment. And this is, they are responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people as a result. The media, TV, newspapers, magazines, etc., cetera, uh, media societies, state medical boards, and the owners of social media have appointed themselves to be the sole source of information concerning, concerning this so-called pandemic. I love all the language he, I wrote him. I'm like, please come on the show. I love this. I'm only two paragraphs in, but he didn't respond. Um, websites have been removed, highly uh, credentialed and experienced clinical doctors and, and scientific experts in the field of infectious disease, like you know Malone and others, have been demonized, careers have been destroyed, and all dissenting information has been labeled misinformation and dangerous lies. Even when sourced 
from top experts in the fields of virology, infectious diseases, pulmonary critical care, like, uh, uh, gosh, uh, Dr. The one in Dallas, um, McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, and epidemiology. These blackouts of truth occur when this information is backed by extensive scientific citations from some of the most qualified specialists in the world. Neither Anthony Fauci, the CDC, the WHO, nor any medical governmental establishment has ever offered any early treatment other than Tylenol, hydration, and call an ambulance once you have difficulty breathing. This is unprecedented in the entire history of medical care as early treatment of infectious of infections is critical to saving lives and preventing severe complications. Not only have these medical organizations and federal lapdogs not even suggested early treatment, they attacked anyone who attempted to initiate such treatment with all the weapons at their disposal. Loss of license, removal of hospital privileges, that happened to Mary Bowden, who's been on the show a couple times, shaming, destruction of reputations, and even arrest. A good example of this outrage against freedom of speech and providing informed consent is the recent suspension by the medical board of Maine's Dr. Merrill Nass. Now, this was Dr. Robert Malone's personal physician who prescribed him ivermectin, and they went after her for doing that when it came out medical license and the ordering of her to undergo a psychiatric evaluation for prescribing ivermectin and sharing her experience in this field. Of course, when I was in jail, they tried to do the same thing to me for, you know, filming in the lobby of the courthouse. This behavior by a medical uh, licensing board is reminiscent of the methodology of the Soviet KGB during the period when dissidents were incarcerated in psychiatric gulags to silence their dissent. Another unprecedented tactic is to remove dissenting doctors from their positions as journal editors, reviewers, and retracting of scientific papers from journals even after these papers have been in print. Until this pandemic event, I have never seen so many journal papers being retracted, the vast majority promoting alternatives to official dogma, especially if the papers question vaccine safety. That's the Orwellian Censors, and they're at work rewriting history, folks. We are now witnessing a growing number of excellent scientific papers written by top experts in the field being retracted from major medical and scientific journals weeks, months, and even years after publication. A careful review indicates that in far too many instances, the authors dared question accepted dogma by controllers of scientific publications, especially concerning the safety Uh, alternative treatments, or efficacy of vaccines, which we know is they're not safe and effective. They're causing these diseases. When you actually compare vaccines against unvaccinated, vaccinated, unvaccinated studies, it shows they don't work and they put risks for things like heart disease and all the things that people die of at 2x. Like 50% of the vaccinated people have some kind of heart disease develop. In the unvaccinated, it's practically zero. That's what the data shows. That's why the CDC does everything it can not to release it because there is absolutely zero reason for them to exist as an organization once that truth comes out. So they'd rather keep lying to you, pushing deadly products on you, and ringing the cash register for them and their buddies. Sorry. Powerful pharmaceutical cartels 
And again, he calls them companies, but th th these are really cartels. They push a deadly product on people for profit. And if people get in the way, they attack them, they discredit them, they arrest them, do whatever is necessary to get rid of them. Exerted their influence on owners of these journals to remove articles that in any way question these companies' products. Worse still is the actual designating of medical articles for promoting drugs and pharmaceutical products that involve fake studies. Sorry, designing. Uh, so yes, they're absolutely putting out propaganda and fabricating data. Journals have devolved into information laundering operations for the pharmaceutical cartels. Proven fraudulent ghost-written articles sponsored by pharmaceutical giants have appeared regularly in top clinical journals such as JAMA, the New England Journal of Medicine, and never to be removed despite proven scientific abuse and manipulation of data. And he's, you know, this is all he's citing references here, naming names. Ghost-written articles involve using planning companies whose job it is to design articles containing manipulated data to support a pharmaceutical product and then have these articles accepted by the high-impact clinical journals, that is, the journals most likely to affect clinical decision-making of doctors. So just like with the opioids, they were pushing propaganda on the doctors to get them to believe that their, their drug, their opioid drug, was not addictive, even though it clearly was, and that if it doesn't work, up the dose. They're not building tolerance. You're just not being brave enough, prescribing them a high enough dose when they're already giving them enough to kill them. <sighs> 250 companies engaged in this behavior. So this is a big industry. Fool the doctors, lie to them, manipulate the data, and get it published in the journals in order to ring the cash register. That's who these people are. That's why they're not pharmaceutical companies. They're pharmaceutical cartels. The final step in designing these articles for publication in the most prestigious journals is to recruit well-recognized medical experts from prestigious institutions to add their name to the articles. You know, like the ones that go on the conference and get the extra, you know, $2,500 for the weekend at the luxury resort. And do the little presentation in front of the new doctors coming in. That'd be great if you could do that and help us out. Paid upon agreeing to add their name to these pre-written articles, or they do so for the prestige of having their name on an article in a prestigious medical journal. Pride. Yep. Television media receives a majority of its advertising budget from the international pharmaceutical cartels. This creates an irresistible influence to report all concocted studies supporting their vaccines and so-called treatments. In 2020 alone, the pharmaceutical cartels spent $6.56 billion on such advertising. Pharma TV advertising amounted to $4.58 billion, an incredible 75% of their budget. You think the news companies don't know where their bread's being buttered, folks? The editors don't know where their bread's being buttered? You think that's not influencing what they put in front of you? World-famous experts within all fields of infectious disease are excluded from media exposure and from social media should they in any way deviate against the concocted lies and distortions by the makers of these vaccines. 
In addition, these pharmaceutical cartels spend tens of millions on social media advertising with Pfizer leading the pack with 55 million in 2020, right? Isn't that great? The social media companies are getting tens of millions of dollars. Do you think that influences their misinformation policies? Universal control of hospital administrators has exercised over the details of medical care in hospital hospitals. We've talked about that many times now instructing doctors, which treatment protocols. Oh, I'm sorry. Ivermectin is not on the approved treatment protocol. Oh yeah, it is for, for investigational purposes. Well, it's not in our plan, so you can't subscribe, prescribe it. And if you do, we will take away your hospital privileges. They will adhere to and which treatments they will use uh, no matter how harmful the approved treatments are or how beneficial the unapproved treatments are. Never in the history of American medicine have hospital administrators dictated to its physicians how they will practice medicine. The CDC has no authority to dictate to hospitals or doctors concerning medical treatments, yet most physicians complied without the slightest resistance. Why? Well, because... They like being on the money train, right? And these hospitals have been centralized. That's what we're going to, he's going to cover next here. The Federal Care Act, $39,000 for each ICU patient on a respirator, despite the fact that early on it was obvious that the respirators were a major cause of death among these unsuspecting, trusting patients. They took you in and, and engaged in treatments that were likely to kill you and your loved ones. That's who these people are because the almighty dollar is a powerful motivator, folks. Hospitals receive $12,000 for each patient admitted to the ICU, explaining, in my opinion and others, why all federal medical bureaucracies, the CDC, the FDA, the NIAID, and the NIH, did all in their powers to prevent life-saving early treatments. And I I highlighted that in red because I disagree with it. It's not about the money going to the hospitals. All of these agencies want to expand their budget. So the bigger that they can make this thing, the more tens of billions of dollars they're going to ring the cash register for and get in the door that they get to hand out to all of their friends. So that's their incentive, not the hospitals are going to make some money for this. So let's help them out. This is way bigger. Everybody's corrupt. Everybody's corrupted by this monopoly system that they can game to their benefit. And at some point, it just collapses because there's just too many goddamn parasites bleeding us dry. And if we don't do something about it, they're going to kill us all. Letting patients deteriorate to the point where they needed hospitalization meant big money for hospitals. A growing number of hospitals are in danger of bankruptcy and may have closed their doors even before this pandemic. That's absolutely true. Most of these hospitals are now owned by national or international corporations, including teaching hospitals. So they get to start the indoctrination with you're going to do whatever the internalist tells you. The, you know, the corporate dictator of medical policy, you don't even get to exercise medicine. You're just going to follow the flow chart that we give you. And of course, you know, you, you want to stand up to that? Well, guess what? The hospital down the street, we own them too. With the arrival of this pandemic, we have witnessed a surge in hospital corporate chains buying up a number of these financially at-risk hospitals. 
Federal COVID aid is being used by the hospital giants to acquire these financially endangered hospitals. So this is what I'm talking about. These parasites just keep growing and growing and taking more and more, using, manipulating the government system. And I talk about this as well with how these all these regulations and so forth raise the bar, the barriers to entry, and allow it to be further and further centralized until there's only one or two options. And then they can force whatever policies down our throats that they deem necessary for the greater good. Physicians expelled from their hospitals, uh, you know, they can't go anywhere else because they're all centralized now. The Mayo Clinic, they fired 700 people, uh, employees. Many of these employees worked during the worst of the epidemic and are being fired when the Omicron is the variant is the dominant strain. And it's no big deal to the unvaccinated, right? It has been proven that it is the vaccinated who prevent the greatest risk of transmission, not the unvaccinated. So what's the point of these vaccine passports or keeping these people from working at a job? Mayo Clinic receives tens of millions of dollars oh, sorry, uh, of, in NIH grants each year, as well as monies from the pharmaceutical makers, right? They don't want to give up on that, get off that gravy train, standing up for truth, right? Sorry, I just need to fix something here. Make sure we're good. Okay. Uh, The administrators making these mandates should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and sued by all injured parties. At least, I guess, the ones that survive, because most of them probably not going to, right? When this pandemic started, hospitals were ordered by the CDC to follow a treatment protocol that resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of patients, most of whom would have recovered had proper treatments been allowed. The neglect of early treatment constitutes mass murder. Again, this is a neurosurgeon saying all this, not me. I love it. Uh, 160,000 would have actually died, far less than the number dying at the hands of the bureaucracies, medical associations, and medical boards that refuse to stand up for their patients. And this thing goes on and on, and he absolutely decimates this entire scam piece by piece by piece and it uh, on and on and on you guys have no idea we we barely scratched the surface of this article or of this uh, paper that he's written covid update what is the truth by russell l blaylock highly recommend you guys finish that if it interests you i think he just did an excellent job of dismantling the whole thing and practically sounds like me talking about it. This is what's needed. More people like this speaking out against the corruption. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the, the system survives here uh, with what's coming, but people need to be educated to what happened. And this goes a long way to do that in my view. Okay. Uh, the Biden emails are out. This is uh, Biden laptop emails. Somebody put them online. You can actually enter, uh, search terms like the big guy (laughs) and search for that. And you can find all the emails where the big guy is referenced and they even incorporate, uh, you know, the pictures and things. It's really, really well done uh, website. And it's all of Hunter Biden's or a big chunk of Hunter Biden's emails from the laptop. And of course, this was a, we're, we're going to get back to the COVID stuff, but I just wanted to throw this in there as well. I probably should have put it on the end. 
But I watched this uh, interview uh, with the, of this Ricardo Salinas. He's one of the billionaires in Mexico. Oh, you've got uh, <laughs> Max Kaiser, who's a Bitcoin maximalist, and his wife, Stacy. They went along, and they're going down to El Salvador to talk about the successes. Now, there's an investigative reporter that went down there and tried to use Bitcoin and couldn't do it, and there was a double spend when he did try, and it didn't work and it was slow and all, you know, just had all these problems, but like they're going down talking about how successful this is and it's going to change everything and on and on and on. And like, I really enjoyed the discussion and I think it presents some great ideas and I agree with everything if they would just say crypto because they've latched on to this model T technology. That's just not going to be able to fulfill the promises, the vision that they see that vision is coming, but it's not going to be delivered in a Model T. Sorry, guys. Sorry. So, But anyway, some of y'all might want to watch that. Mexican billionaire Ricardo Salinas private jet uh, Bitcoin interview with Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert. Okay. Also, we've got some more words of wisdom from the Vice President of the United States. I want you to watch what she's got to say about the children of the community. You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community. Uh-huh. Tell us. Tell us, dear. Watch watch what she does with her body language. She does this. I'm going to say something smart. I'll shake my titties. They are a children of the community. You know, when we talk. Oh, that's brilliant. When we talk about the children of the community, they are a children of the community. Smile real big. You said a smart thing. I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are a children of the community. (laughs) You know, when we talk. These people are psychopaths. All right. Of course, the narrative is falling apart, right? Here's Health Canada and PHAC. True or false, vaccination reduces your risk of experiencing serious illness from COVID-19 and related pregnancy complications. 13% thought that was true. The other 87% thought that was false. That's out of 35,882 votes. Now, it was so bad that Healthcare Canada had to come in before the the poll even ended to say, the answer is true. The the mRNA vaccines are highly effective, highly effective. I mean, right, we went through that data that definitely, definitely true. They didn't fabricate the data on that at all. They are highly effective at preventing severe illness and pregnancy complications from COVID-19. A booster dose provides additional protection, says the pharmaceutical cartels profiting in the tens of billions of dollars from these deadly toxic drugs. It's going real well. It's going real, real well. So you may have remember the, uh, I said South African there, but it's actually South Australia or Southern Australia. American Medical Association president whose daughter in her early 20s, was just dead in her bed. And she worked for a, like a VIP protection service, so likely vaccinated, going to all these events and things. Well, she posted, I think it's a week ago now, about her daughter, and she's devastated and this and that. Well, <clears throat> I decided it's time for somebody to say something. And I'm asking you guys, what can you do today to make people aware of what's happening. Who are you sharing this information with? Who are you waking up 
to what's being done to us because where they're taking us is bad. It is nightmare dystopian uh, world that you don't want your kids growing up in. And so I've written this little um, email here. And what I did is I went on the American Medical Association's website for South Australia and found every email address I could, the admin, the president, which is her, uh, the editor, the media contact, the membership director, the policy director, Claudia, Catherine, Heather, Julie, Emma didn't get one because there was a typo in there, and the DTC chair all got this. Basically, most of the people involved. I hope you've had some time to grieve the loss of your daughter, Michelle. She died just like the thousands of others as a result of the gene therapies you and your colleagues pushed on millions. Do you have the integrity to speak out and stop the mass murder these vaccines are causing? You're still pushing these shots on children, and it's not too late for some of them. Burying your head in the sand and pretending you haven't murdered thousands won't make this go away. You attacked anyone that disagreed with the pharmaceutical cartels, pushing falsified data, silenced opposition, destroyed careers, and will likely face a firing squad or the mob for what you've done. The evidence is clear. Fibrils created from the spike protein are killing most of the recipients. The question to ask yourselves, how do you want to be remembered? What do you stand for? What kind of person are you? What does integrity mean? Please, for fuck's sake, just one of you, have the courage to speak the truth and stop the Holocaust you're pushing. Make them know, at the very least, that we know. Make them have that little voice in the back of the head the next time the opportunity comes up that they have to make a decision about this thing that they're thinking, holy crap. Remember that guy? How many more of him are out there? Make them know that we know. They are still pushing these shots on children, for God's sake. What have you done today? Who can you share this with? Please. Liking things on Twitter is not going to change much. All right? It's going to take a little more. And now the next time these people meet, they're all going to be thinking, holy shit, that person got the email too. It's going to make things real uncomfortable at the office that they no longer go to. It's going to be the elephant in the room that not one of them is ever going to dare to bring up. But at least they know we know. Speaking of which... U.S. bioethics chief, who happens to be Fauci's wife, that's her right there, we've talked about this before, published a new paper telling corporates they can ethically pressure employees, you know, coerce them into taking an experimental uh, biologic that might harm them, and they can embarrass vaccine resistors. Fauci's wife, who is also the head of the Department of Bioethics at the National Institutes of Health Clinical Center, you know, like Fauci, a Proves the, the treatment, or sorry, Fauci uh, authors the treatment, she approves it, right? Authored a paper defending the ethics of corporations, quote, pressuring employees to get vaccinated, end quote, and quote, embarrassing vaccine resistors, embarrass them. That's how you do this, you embarrass them. Funded by the NIH, so Fauci, 
published in March of 2022, so this is recent. Grady's paper focuses on the ethics of encouragement strategies. March, you know how much we knew in March about these things not working, and there's this is what they're saying? Grady's paper focuses on the ethics of encouragement strategies aimed at overcoming vaccine reluctance, which can be due to resistance, hesitance, misinformation, or inertia to facilitate voluntary employee vaccination. See, this is still voluntary, even though we're coercing them. She's very careful to walk the line here, right? While employment-based vaccine encouragement may raise primary uh, privacy and autonomy concerns, and through some employers might hesitate to encourage employees to get vaccinated, our analysis suggests ethically acceptable ways to inform, encourage, strongly encourage, incentivize, and even subtly pressure employees to get vaccinated. They can be, quote, ethically appropriate if there is a, quote, clear articulation about the consequences of not complying with the policy. I mean, if you just say you get vaccinated or we're going to do this to you, that's ethically appropriate. That's fine. That's not coercion. That's not a violation of the Nuremberg Treaty, which the U.S. is a signatory to, as many other countries are as well. In that circumstance, employees have a choice between getting vaccinated or accepting the consequences of the choice to remain unvaccinated, the report explains. Grady outlines other tactics employers could use to boost COVID-19 vaccination rates within their company, such as sharing, quote, targeted statistics, such as 75% of the company or unit have been vaccinated to spur completion or even implicitly embarrass vaccine resistors. There can be societal consequences associated with peer communication about vaccination, such as stigma and ostracization of those not vaccinated. Individuals who choose to make the worst workplace less safe for others <laughs> through their vaccine refusal, you know, because the vaccines stop infection and spread and all that, they're so effective, should be able to foresee the possibility of this kind of social consequence, stigma and ostracization. Quote, when the policy is tied up to group vaccination metrics, unvaccinated employees may feel implicit or explicit pressure from peers or supervisors to help the group meet its return to work goals, end quote. See, that's it. This is about getting things back to normal, even though they know that's a complete load of bullshit at this point. This was two months ago. We're like over uh, two years into this, and she's still pushing this complete pile of crap. Quote, despite worries about perception of unfairness or, you know, war crimes, we argue that the selective easing of public health restri restrictions is ethically appropriate when done transparently tied to objective public health guidance set by her husband. Natalie Winters put this together. Excellent article. Um, it is from the National Pulse. Okay. Let's go back to here. The captain of the love boat. We want to take a moment to talk. Has a statement for you. Okay. And uh, this weird lady standing beside him. We want to take a moment to talk to parents who have questions about infant formula. Becoming a mom or dad means falling in love deeper than you ever thought possible. And in those first few months of sleepless nights of endless diapers and dirty dishes, and worrying about every little danger, your love can feel like the only thing that keeps you going. It's hard. Wow, I, I feel so connected to
to the love boat captain and this lady. They come across as so authentic to me, very concerned about my infant at home and where I will feed them. But when that tiny hand takes your finger, Mm -hmm. you know that it's worth everything. Yes, I do. I want you to know that you're doing an incredible job. Thank you. Even if you don't always feel that way. I know that you're worried about how you're going to feed your baby. The president sees you and he hears you. Where is he? And his team is working around the clock to get you what you need. And I've asked our Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, the nation's top doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. He's not the love boat captain. He's the Surgeon General. I I get those mixed up sometimes. To share what you need to know about infant formula. I know it's frustrating and potentially... Of course, you notice, right? They're not talking about breastfeeding. I mean, why wouldn't they talk about breastfeeding? And maybe uh, some of the common things lactation consultants help people understand help women uh, understand who are attempting to breastfeed. We did that with our daughter and visited one and it helped. Or, uh, you know, maybe they could like uh, make their own, like this recipe from this goat farm right here for a goat milk based baby formula where you put in some whole goat milk powder, uh, goat milk lactose, goat milk ghee, Sunflower oil, grapeseed oil, blackstrap molasses, you know, for the sugar. Instead of the uh, corn syrup that's in the formulas that they're pushing, right? DHA, Head Start multivitamin powder, that sounds pretty good. Colostrum and some infant probiotics to make sure they're uptaking all these minerals correctly. You know, they could be talking about the hundreds of different ways to make your own formula, right? But no, no. Don't try and solve this problem yourself, right? Only they can solve your problems for you. You have to wait for them, right? It's actually scary for parents to be unable to find formula. I've got young children, so I understand how stressful this can be. Young children that he vaccinated. You should know that the president has been working tirelessly Mm -hmm. to increase the supply. He's worked with manufacturers. To increase the supply that he's decimated by having the FDA close down the plant and create the shortage in the first place, right? To increase their production capacity. He's also worked with manufacturers and the FDA to get the closed factory back online with Mm -hmm. strict safety standards. He's worked with the FDA and partners to import supply from abroad. Which they outlawed by their regulations, right? It's much easier when you don't have to compete with all those damn foreigners pushing their products and you can just make them in the U.S. and ring the cash register, right? Safely. But in the meantime, if you're having trouble finding baby formula, there's a few things that you should keep in mind. Can't wait for this. These are going to be some good tips. You have your pen and paper out? You should. Most infants, it's okay to use a different brand of formula than the one you're used to. So accept whatever kind of baby formula crap we want to shove down your throat. We increase supply from imports. You may see different brands at your store. I know that can feel like a big change uh-huh. and it can be scary. scary, scary. But all infant formula on the shelf is safe for your okay. baby. Good, good. All formula will meet the FDA's gold standard and only safe formula. Did they change the gold standard because it didn't before and that's why it couldn't be imported? It will come to American shelves. Make sure you never water down formula. Right. Don't ration. Run out and then be dependent on the government to solve your problem. 
Like that this is the worst advice ever. I mean, sure you want to get your baby the maximum nutrition, but if you can't find it and you're getting low, might want to start rationing that a little bit. Might be a good idea. Until you can locate supply versus running out and having nothing. But the government loves when people are in a crisis and think and have been programmed and propagandized to believe that these criminals are the ones that are going to help them solve that problem. And don't make your own at home or use toddler formula to feed infants. Definitely, definitely don't do anything like this and solve the problem yourself. No, make sure it's the pharmaceutical cartels solving your problems for you. These are not solutions that we would consider safe. If you need help or want more information, go to hhs.gov slash formula. I know that you have questions. Any parent would. Mm-hmm. So call your I have, pediatrician. I have a lot of questions, actually. Pediatrician. So do some other people. They can provide you the best, most updated advice and share this with your friends to help them as well. Most of all, know that we're here for you uh, and that you're, you're not alone. You're definitely here for me. Uh, and not just shills for the pharmaceutical companies, except, um, well, there is this financial disclosure from the love boat captain, Vivek Murthy, where he discloses, as required by law, that he's holding stock in the Kaiser Family Foundation, the Rand Corporation. These names should sound familiar if you're a, one of those conspiracy theorists, right? And Blue Sky Ventures, which he's a co-owner of, he's on the, I'm sorry, he's on the board of directors at the Kaiser Family Foundation and the Rand Corporation, and he's co-owner of Blue Sky Ventures, which is kind of a weird name, right? What does that do? Oh, Blue Sky Ventures collects speaking, writing, and consulting fees, bribes. I mean, but they're not bribes. (laughs) That's why he called it Blue Sky Ventures. $485,890. He's gotten an advance for his book about the love boat, $155,000, right? And oh, look here, Netflix. He's been doing some consulting for them for $547,000. And oh, Airbnb, $410,000. And Estee Lauder, which is that Mary Kay, if anybody knows in the chat, or, you know, of course they're doing the makeup at the counters in the mall and so forth. $292,000 and Carnival Cruise Lines, $400,000 folks. These are consulting gigs, you know, by Netflix who uh, wanted to keep making movies so they could ring the cash register. Hey, look, uh, we got advice from the Surgeon General, the love boat captain himself. And he said, he consulted with us very closely. We didn't pay him a half million dollar bribe so that we could keep making movies. He is such a good infectious disease expert and there was nobody else we'd rather have that, you know, we could get to, to give us the same advice for like 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand. We wanted to get the love boat captain himself so that when the local health authorities come in and try and shut us down. We can turn to them and say, look, look, the love boat (laughs) and Airbnb 
they didn't want to leave all their properties open so they could keep ringing the cash register, did they? No, that's not what this is about. That would look like a bribe if that were the case. They were just getting advice on behalf of their property owners so that they could make sure that proper COVID procedures would would be followed in their rentals during the whole pandemic. And uh, this was definitely not a bribe for them to stay open. Estee Lauder, same thing. Carnival Cruise Lines, well, you know, they wanted to keep operating their cruise ships so they could ring the cash register. $400,000, definitely not a bribe to Vivek. Definitely not so that they could stay open. That is not what's happening here. During my appointment, the LLC, this is Blue Sky Ventures, will be inactive other than to collect because he had to divest himself so that, you know, he could be uh, not have any improprieties and conflicts of interest, of course. Other than to collect fixed receivables and books royalties like speaking fees and consulting fees and stuff. 75000 from Netflix, Inc. for my services in December 20th to January 2021, right during the beginning of the pandemic when they're trying to keep making movies. He's basically using his authority as the captain of the love boat to give these guys a free pass to ignore or, you know, to account for COVID safety measures and continue production of their movies. This guy's just another criminal like all the rest. Okay, one more thing here. He had some questions. You know, they were telling us if you have questions, they want to help us sort it all out. So the Love Boat Captain Vivek sent out a thing asking for, you know, examples of misinformation. If you could go ahead and get back with him with any examples of misinformation that you've seen so that he can get to the bottom of it and get this addressed. Okay. And, uh, well, it turns out (laughs) the Indiana Attorney General uh, got together with a few guys, Dr. Bhattacharya, uh, Dr. Koldoff and from the Brown Institute and an, another uh, former professor. And they wrote up some examples of misinformation. The Office of the Surgeon General requested information on the prevalence of health misinformation during the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact of such misinformation on the U.S. public health system in order to be better prepared to respond to a future pandemic public health crisis. Sorry. Uh, We agree that misinformation has been a major problem during the pandemic. The spread of inaccurate scientific information has made it difficult for the public to make the right decisions to protect themselves, their families, and their communities from COVID-19 and collateral public health damage arising from the pandemic countermeasures. As such, the disinformation has led to great harm in the lives and livelihoods of Americans. We submit the following examples of disinformation from the CDC. (laughs) I don't think this is what he's expecting, ladies and gentlemen, and other health organizations that have shattered the public's trust in science and public health and will take decades to repair. Overcounting COVID-19. This is the whole died from versus died with, which is 6%. Uh, Questioning natural immunity. The CDC falsely claimed that natural immunity is worse than vaccine-acquired immunity. Total fabrication. We've known that that's not true for decades. 
COVID-19 vaccines prevent transmission. The CDC director and other health health officials falsely claimed that COVID-19 vaccines prevent the transmission of COVID-19 to others. The rationale for vaccine mandates and passports, which have absolutely no basis in science at this point. The trials were not designed to determine whether they could also limit transmission or prevent death. They just took it upon themselves to assume that. And well, guess what? They were wrong. And people lost their jobs, lost their livelihoods, lost their lives as a result. School closures were effective and costless. The decision was based on false claims that it would protect children's teachers and the community at large. In the early summer of 2020, we knew that this was false. The whole narrative of we got to protect the children and the teachers are all going to get sick from the kids. It was all bullshit. Number five, everyone is equally at risk of hospitalization and death from COVID-19 infection. Like, no, there's the age groups and, and uh, obesity are the major factors. There's more than a thousandfold difference in the risk of hospitalization and death for the old relative to the young. Surveys indicate that both old and young overestimate the risk, so they've been manipulated into believing that this thing is far more dangerous than it actually is. This misconception leads to demand for policies Please, government, save us from the boogeyman. Number six, there was no reasonable policy alternative to lockdowns. That's absolutely not true. Sharp age gradient in the risk provided an alternative to lockdown-focused policies like secure the nursing homes and that sort of thing and put all extra measures in place there to protect the at-risk groups, right? Protection of the aged and otherwise vulnerable is what they should have been doing. The Great Barrington Declaration laid this out. Of course, they were attacked. They were discredited. They were called conspiracy theorists for stating what's been obviously true and correct from the beginning. Countries like Sweden, which did not implement lockdowns, have near zero overall excess death over the last two years of the pandemic. How's that going in the places that heavily vaccinated? Well, not very well. Mask mandates are effective at reducing spread of viral infectious diseases. The mask mandates have not been effective. We've covered that in a previous show a few weeks ago. Protecting most populations against COVID-19 risk. Because why? Well, the aerosolization. These things float in the air. They're 10 times smaller than the smallest uh, pores in the mask. The masks have these plastics that you're breathing in. You're breathing out bacteria, which you then breathe back in while you're building up CO2 and getting less oxygen. Oh, yeah, and the masks only work for 20 minutes until they get moist, and then the virus definitely passes right on through. Great job, guys. Really science-based policy. Even well-fitted N95 masks have diminished capacities to stop viral uh, transmission before they become moist from breathing. Number eight, mass testing of asymptomatic individuals and contact tracing of positive cases is effective in reducing the disease spread. Well, it failed to substantially slow the progress of the epidemic and has imposed great costs on people who were quarantined even though they had posed no risk of infecting others. Number nine, the eradication of COVID-19 is a feasible goal. This is the whole zero COVID, right? From two weeks to flatten the curve and onwards, the suppression of the spread of COVID-19 has been an explicit policy goal near zero levels the end point of the pandemic. Well, that was a lie as well. It's never going to happen, and they've backtracked on that one. So not at all what he was expecting, I think, and everything they do from this survey back here 
to the request for information. You now have attorney generals sending in statements that he's going to have to address. I don't know how he's going to ignore this one. He'll probably won't do anything because, you know, he's such a good guy. He's not just a shill on the pharmaceutical payroll using his power to bilk some of the big corporations for hundreds of thousands of dollars to give them permission slips for business as usual during this deadly pandemic that everyone needs to be afraid of and is going to kill us all. Okay. Uh, little pause, man. Hey, what's happening? Hey buddy. How you doing? Good. What's, what's on your mind? Is, uh, is my mic okay? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, you sound good. Go ahead. All right. So about maybe six, nine months ago, I was telling you that a few more people were starting to wake up. Uh, one of my clients that I'd been dropping sort of breadcrumbs with had sort of switched on a bit. And he approached me and he had said, you know, what do you think is going on with the whole scenario? I said, well, you're asking me. So may I ask why? Why are you so curious now? And he said that uh, two girls in his daughter's social group um, had come down with chest problems and heart problems. Yeah. So I said, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you straight. I'm going to tell you absolutely everything I know. And then I went back later that day with a jar of niacin flush and told him melatonin, do this, do that, yeah. do this. You're all vaccinated. Start doing it now. But I got the feeling that niacin went to the back of the cupboard and uh, we never really touched on it again because I could tell how uncomfortable he was with it. Mm-hmm. Now, this week, I got a call because I, uh, I work with dogs. I'm very close with my clients because you, you become part of the family. You do. Yeah. So when you get the call saying, my daughter's in hospital, can you come down and do an extra day as we can't get back to the house? I'm like, all right, okay. Then when I came later in the week, uh, the wife was there and I said, hey, is everything okay? She said, oh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, just anxiety. She's just got some chest problems. Right. Oh, boy. So now I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. So obviously, Trav hasn't actually relayed the conversation over to his wife. He's just gone, oh, heavy. It's, you know, oh, I don't know what to do. No, it's too too much to deal with, which most people do. I get it. So well, he hasn't relayed I, you know, that information they, on. They like they just don't want to acknowledge that they that they're wrong and that they were manipulated into taking this thing and they thought it was best for them and it's end up being exactly the opposite. It's it's a hard pill to swallow, you know. Yeah. So so my question is because that niacin's still there. Otherwise, I'm going to give him another one. I want to find a, a way in to rebroach this whole sort of situation. So now Dimitri's protocols changed, right? So it's flush niacin and something else. Yeah. What is the something else? Go, go, go ahead, finish your thought. Sorry. Well, um, just because I want to be able to go back and see Trav again and say, hey, um, things have changed. We're now using this with the, the flush okay. niacin instead. It's getting a really good result. So I can kind of find an, an entry point to try and talk about it without, you know, without saying, hey, you have every right to be angry. Uh, admit that the vaccine's the problem. Uh, don't be angry at yourself. Be angry at the government. Be angry at the hospitals. Be angry at everyone. You did nothing wrong. Yeah, I just yeah. want to kind of say, hey, the niacin's still there. It's, it's probably the best thing we've got at the moment. And if you use it with this new product, you know, and that might be able, because I just, I'm not pushy. 
Okay. That'll yeah. work. Yeah. So he's got he's got a number of things in his protocol. Uh, like I've and I've talked about the importance of finding a good vitamin provider, even for your like your multivitamin and my vitamin C. I think it's over on the counter, but it's got quercetin, bioquercetin, and uh, something else in it. And these are like little additives that the the quercetin is kind of like a hydroxychloroquine in that it helps the zinc get into the cells. Um, so yep. taking something like that and a good multi uh, a B vitamin complex that's good quality and has you know a good assortment based on studies like the the life extension ones that I take and there and there's several others out there. Um, that's important, but the three primary things in his sort of arsenal that he uses is the niacin. Now he still talks and it's flush niacin. So you got to warn him about the sunburn. Your skin might get red. It might feel like a sunburn, might feel like pens and needles, uncomfortable the first time and then it's less from there, but you up the dose and start small by the way. And you know, all that, you got to tell him all those things. Um, but then he also, he has this. I think it's methyl, uh, L-methylone, methylion, um, which you kind of take in the beginning Maybe. to get the process kicking into gear. And then he recommends taking uh, R-A-L-A, which is uh, R-lipoic acid. It's a specific kind of lipoic acid. I found some at the health food store. It's not cheap. It's like 25 bucks for a little bottle. And you take it in pretty high doses um, but maybe, uh, pause something you could do. I know that he's taken, you know, like on, when I had him on the show, he sort of divide, I told him your for your telegram group's kind of a mess. And I'd like to see posts just from you. And there's just too much there to, to try and read and process. And he's done some of that. He's separated out like a testimonials, uh, group where people can talk about how it's helping them maybe find a couple of those and share something like that yeah. where you can come to them and say, Hey, you know what? It's not about the medicine. It's like, I found this person. They were having similar problems to your daughter and look what they did. And then look what they're saying here. Oh, and by the way, here's two or three more. I've, I read a bunch of these. So I wanted to share them with you and yeah. ask how that's going. And I think that's probably the best way to broach it. To where you're not attacking them or making them wrong for not doing the um, NAC protocol when you gave it to them a month ago and it actually really could have helped. You sort of hold things off because that's kind of what that does. Um, it's more of a, uh, look, I found something else that I want you to know about because I think it could help. And uh, and then yeah, you can, can be ready with the RALA and the methylione or Whatever it is, I, I think I'm saying. Yeah. That, does that help at all? Because I mean, I've I've, li- I've listened. Yeah, man, I've listened to Dimitri on your show, and, and like it melts my brain. It's like he's making yeah. up these words as he goes along. Like they're well, not real words. And, and Jicky, you know? Jicky looked into like his past. He doesn't have a PhD from uh, UNC. He went there. He was a grad student there, but for whatever reason, I, while he was doing his dissertation, I think he dropped out or his behavior changed. I saw some messages from one of his professors that Jinky or Jicky and the, some of the, that the mouse crew looked into because they were pissed off that he went in after Walter Chestnut got booted from Twitter 
and created a Walter Chestnut account that a bunch of people signed up to and then converted it over to homeostasis to his website to sort of draw them off. And like he doesn't have the credentials. I'm not happy that that's what he's doing and that he's saying that he, that he does assuming that, that they're right. And that's true. And I, and I believe that it is, I, I don't think Jicky would, you know, would try and mislead me on something like that. No. Um, at the same time, his protocol works, his research, the guy I, I, I've listened to a lot of him. He's not the greatest at presenting it. He comes off crazy. I, I get that. But a lot of people are experiencing success. And even when it was niacin and melatonin a year ago, when we had him on, uh, there were people, myself yeah. included, who were being helped by that. So it's not an easy yeah. subject to broach for me, but at the moment, I still think that there's tremendous value in creating this sort of flush process that restores the energetic balance at a cellular level because we're dealing with a cellular toxin that is um, invading these cells and taking them over and uh, you know attaching to them and doing all sorts of damaging things. His protocol is really aimed at giving them all the tools they need to defend. And uh, I think it's a, a powerful one. And I wish, uh, you know, FLCCC and AFLDS, the, the doctor organizations that are still talking about their treatment protocol, aren't even, I think, uh, comprehending this whole amyloid issue. They will be in weeks from now, but like, Guys, the information's there. Please start looking at it and coming up with ways to help these people because you're do, you're continuing to do a huge disservice with your whole hydroxychloroquine, um, you know, vitamin and ivermectin-based protocols because they're not working for everybody. And we're still having, you know, we know more now because of what we opened the show with that these uh, fibrils are getting created by the spike protein. Okay, how do we prevent that? And there's... There's also, um, I'll come back in a future show with some more information because there are some things, some specific drugs that kind of help uh, get rid of the spike protein that uh, people are recommending. I need to look into them a little more and so forth, which is why I didn't include them. But there are some other recommended treatments as well outside of even what Dimitri or like the AFLDS or FLCCC are recommending. So. Now, something I found interesting, which I didn't know, because I've been taking NAC pretty much every day, I didn't realize, well, this is what I was told, that you shouldn't be taking it long term. That, yes, when you're uh, over periods, certain periods of time, you should be taking it. It's incredibly good for cell regeneration, but do not take it constantly every day, which I didn't know about. So I've kind of backed off that a little bit. So if I get a flu or something, I'll continue to take the NAC. But if I'm 100% fine and nothing's going on, I've kind of just weaned off that as well. So I'm not sure if you've heard about that. I haven't. Now, like I ran out uh, and I haven't ordered more. Um, And I like when I stopped taking it regularly and I take like 600 uh, milligrams a day was was the dose that I took. Um, I feel things like uh, in my chest, like and it's on the outside of my rib cage, it's pectoral muscles and so forth. And some of the ones underneath there that like, um, pull or, or just feel like they're strained or something. And my restaurant friend in Tyler, uh, that's, he, he's not vaccinated and he's experiencing the same thing. Uh, and I think it's because 
he's being exposed to spike protein more often. And the whole NAC is supposed to like halt the reverse transcriptase process. Um, so it, it's not actually reversing things. It's more of like a pause button. Uh, and that's where I think doing the flush niacin along with something like NAC is what helps. And there's also times yeah. where if I'm not doing flush niacin, the tinnitus get, starts getting a little bit louder in my ears or it's changing tone like it had never done before I got exposed to the vaccine. And, I, you know, I've got another friend with long COVID that um, she's not vaccinated and really having a hard time with it. And I think there's a lot of people, be it through um, being around others or sexual intercourse or being in close contact with someone who was recently vaccinated that are exposed at various levels to the vaccine or to the mRNA potentially, but definitely to the spike protein and the shedding and exosomes that are going to have to deal with some of these same problems. This is not something that uh, just affects the, the vaccinated. I think we need to realize that, that this is a bioweapon that is dangerous at any exposure level and that the more of it you're exposed to, the worse it gets. And that article that we opened with you know, that was talking about natural infection, but it's even worse for the vaccinated because they produce the, the, va- the spike protein at far, far higher levels. So. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, what I'm noticing here is that it seems to be a lot of the young women between sort of 14 and 20 that are getting the pericarditis, myocarditis at the moment. That's, okay. that's what I'm saying. I'm not hearing the young guys having, but it seems to be the young women who are all going in. So. Hmm. Just something I'm noticing, mate. All right. Take care, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Pause. I appreciate the update as always, sir. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, we've got a couple more things to cover here. Let's go back to, I like taking these little sidebars when y'all want to pipe up on, uh, that's on Twitter spaces that you can jump into the show like that. You just come on there. You have to be on a mobile device in order to do it. And uh, you just request to speak. It's a little button you press in the uh, in the Twitter app, and then you can join the show and uh, tell me off or or whatever. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Since smallpox, as effective a vaccine as it is, here's pre-COVID Fauci. You know when he told the truth, has some rare but nonetheless potentially very serious toxic side effects very rare side effects this one what were they fauci if you're immunosuppressed it could be deadly uh if you one of those people who have the this strange myocarditis associated with it so even though we accepted the toxicities Uh of the smallpox vaccine back then it was because there was active smallpox out there so then we decided yeah, after the uh, medical experiments, the experimental injections on the millions of people in the service that created this new disease, the new pandemic back then, caused by the pharmaceutical cartels and their deadly products. That we would not globally vaccinate the entire country. And by Oh, so you wouldn't vaccinate across all age groups? Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Isn't that what's in the Great Barrington Declaration that was called lunacy and conspiracy theory? The way, 
the country would not have accepted being vaccinated. So oh. we knew that. <laughs> oh. I mean, it was sort of like a fail safe. And uh-huh. I said, Mr. Vice President, by the way, even when you're offering it to the first responders, many of them didn't want to take it. So this idea about kind of saying everybody should take it, it didn't make any sense. But now with COVID, it definitely, definitely makes sense and definitely didn't prevent us from getting to herd immunity because that's a conspiracy theory too. And it's definitely, definitely not going to cause a huge death wave that's coming when a uh, strain that's able to infect, to transinfect, becomes dominant and makes all of these vaccinated sick because they have non-sterilizing antibodies. Definitely not going to do any of those things. Of course, the other crony in chief here, Tedros, was sworn in for another five-year term as head of the WHO. And people are like, well, why him? Because he did such a great job? No, folks. Because they don't have a room full of supervillains waiting in the wings to stand up and commit mass murder and push a campaign of, of genocide, democide, by by using the techniques used in a Holocaust. They just don't have a lot of those people. That's kind of the same reason they had to get Biden. <laughs> Wake up, folks. Okay. <clears throat> this one's a little graphic. We'll spend about two minutes on it. I'm going to show you a guy who uh, had these fibrils in his foot, obviously, uh, and it's dead and he's, uh, being pretty damn stupid about it. So if you're squeamish or whatever, you may not want to watch this. Skip ahead a couple minutes. Here we go. I don't know. Is, is, can, can you bend it? Do you think it's broke? Do you think it's broke? I, yeah. yeah. We may need to get sad. Let me try to let me see if I can, let me see if I can. Oh yeah. yeah. So you can see this guy standing there. He's leaning up against some pallets of wood. He's, uh, he's I guess this is his work or something. He works at a lumberyard looks like he's got a sneaker on one foot the other leg is white one is like purple and he's got he's pretty well tanned on the other one but his foot is absolutely black because it's dead that's right i would think that zip tie i think he just needs some motion and an ice pack can you give me some motion and an ice pack some rubbing alcohol (laughs) and uh when he puts weight on it the His problem foot is, man, the, I'll tell you, the problem is... Completely bends sideways like it's rubber. It. <laughs> I think I just sprained it real bad. <laughs> and if you look at his other leg, it's purple and turning black. It's clotted. Of course, the people who let it go this long, that dead tissue, is causing sepsis. Chances are this guy's already dead because he's not taking this seriously his that dead tissue is being circulated around his body all the toxins produced in that die-off process and he's likely poisoned himself and is probably already dead if not they've amputated his foot and probably his other leg too people are so stupid All right, we'll end the show on a high note. Um, This is Talkers uh, Magazine. It is the sort of the 
Bible of Talk Radio. And my buddy Ian, Free Talk Live, which is the the show that uh, I started on in New Hampshire, made number 24 in their heavy 100 list. Now, they've been in the top 100 for a number of years, and they've been climbing their way. They've been in the number 50 for several years, I think. And this is the first time they're, you know, in the top. That's just kind of a big deal. And there's George Snorri that runs Coast to Coast, Howard Stern, uh, I don't Ben Shapiro, oh, Howie Carr, Glenn Beck, who's really great, uh, Dan Bongo, who's yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, Lars Larson, don't know them, uh, Michael Berry, who's kind of a shock jock in Houston, uh, Dana Losich, who does some pretty good stuff. Uh, you've got Mark Levin, the Penguin, Dave Ramsey, who's really great financial, and then Sean Hannity. Oh, boy. There's some intelligent conversation going on about. Anyway, so they made put them in the top 25, and also he won the Freedom of Speech Award this year. And I want to read you his speech here uh, that he wrote because he can't attend the conference. Because why? Well, you're about to find out. I learned this week that Talkers Magazine is giving me uh, the 2022 Gene Burns Memorial Award for Freedom of Speech. I'm tremendously honored to receive it and join the ranks of dozens of hosts, including Rush Limbaugh, Howard Stern, Sean Hannity, Thom Hartman, and G. Gordon Liddy, Glenn Beck, Matt Drudge, and more. Unfortunately, due to the extremely ridiculous bail conditions, I'm under from the raid on our studio last year by the FBI in the Crypto 6 case. I will be unable to attend the Talkers Convention to accept the award in person. Every year we gather here in New York City. This is from his speech uh, in, that, he, that he wants to, to give as a result for getting the award. Every year, and this, of course, this is going, he's talking to other professionals in the industry, okay? Other people in talk radio. This is very similar to the letter I wrote to the AMA people, right? I want you to think of it in that context. Every year we gather here in New York City and gratitude is often expressed that as an industry we are free to share our opinions on the radio. However, it is, is it really true that we have free speech or is it simply that most talk radio hosts have opinions that are within an acceptable range? Free speech is in jeopardy in the United States. No, I don't mean the the targeting of conservatives on social media platforms. Though disturbing, these online platforms are private property and companies can run them how they wish. I'm talking about journalists who are and have been targeted criminally. How many of us in talk media are paying attention to these canaries in the coal mine, let alone openly supporting them? How many of you covered the story of Barrett Brown? He's the journalist and vocal supporter of Anonymous who was charged federally for sharing a link to hacked emails from the intelligence contractor Stratford after spending 63 months in prison while still in a halfway house. Brown was wrongfully arrested again for conducting media interviews without permission from the Bureau of Prisons. What about Julian Assange? He's facing 170 years in federal prison for reporting the truth about the U.S. military. However, many on both the left and the right have cheered his imprisoning as one of the pieces of the truth Assange revealed embarrassed the U.S. military by showing 
footage of a helicopter crew shooting innocent people, children in the van, to death. Remember saying, don't bring your kids to a war zone? And they were journalists. If you say you support free speech, but then make an exception for state secrets, you're not for free speech. You're for the status quo. Think about that, Trumpers. Last year, my studio and the homes of some of my co-hosts were raided ostensibly for victimless crimes, victimless financial crimes, but we suspect the real reason, and he's running Bitcoin ATMs, right? We suspect the real reason is to target us for being libertarian activists who are super critical of the government. Later in 2021, Project Veritas founder and some of his journalist homes were also raided Though no charges have yet been brought against them, it's pretty clear they are being targeted by the FBI for effectively using their right to free speech and for being free press. The First Amendment exists to protect unpopular speech, as popular speech needs no protection. However, the amendment does not function on its own. Supporting free speech means standing up and speaking out when there's injustice against those engaging in free speech even if you disagree with the content. And there's, there's not much, Ian's an anarchist like me, and he is all the way to the extreme, right? And there's some things I'd, I wish he wouldn't talk about, but he does, and it's just who he is, and you just have to accept it. But, oh, he makes some people really not like him. Uh, is, <laughs> and yet, here I am still supporting him because it's so necessary. It's bad enough to be silent as someone's speech is trampled. But if you find yourself cheering on their prosecution and imprisonment, you are part of the problem. I'm reminded of the old post-World War II poem by by Pastor Martin Niemöller, but with updated wording. First they came for the Nazis, but I did not speak up because I am not a Nazi. Then they came for the corporate leakers, but I did not speak up because I work for a corporation. Then they came for the government whistleblowers, but I did not speak up because I'm blinded by nationalism. And I would insert in here, then they came for the COVID deniers, but I did not speak up because I was on the pharmaceutical payroll. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. Thank you for listening. So that's what's happening to our world. And there's Ian right there. He's actually, that's my megaphone that I painted and a girlfriend at the time did the artwork on. Figured I wouldn't be needing that as much in Texas, so I gave it to him. And I think this was at an old Pork Fest event before they banned him for saying things that they didn't like. <sighs> it's important to speak up, folks. It's important to get this message out there to share this stuff with people so that they talk about it so that they know so that they understand i'm going to spend a day cutting all these clips up so that you guys can take and share these around please do it and please reach out to people like pause was earlier and let them know what's happening and and what they can do to kind of help themselves out and not all of them are going to right there's that 30 percent of the mass formation who are just going down with the ship. There's no saving them, but there's that 40% that, uh, that is, wow. My comments just completely logged me out. That's never happened before. (laughs) There we go. Now I'm back in. Okay. Uh, so there you go. That's it. Um, 
a lot happening right now. Uh, the narrative is really, really falling apart. I think between what Gert has pointed out and what we covered here with what the, the antibodies are doing to the spike protein and recognizing that the vaccinated have way, way more spike protein that will be cut up in the same way and misfold into prions. And by the way, the vaccinated, uh, the, they're only producing the spike protein, which means it's smaller and can get into further areas like the blood-brain barrier, which is where it causes changes in mood, like the aggression and Alzheimer's and mad cow disease and so forth. That's what a lot of these people have in store for them because they're just going to go down with the ship. So we have to work tirelessly to stop this, to make people aware of what's happening because they are still going after our children. And these things are deadly, toxic bioweapons. The U.S. is the Nazi empire. They are far more evil. They have created these problems and unleashed them on the unwitting masses, right? So there you go. All right. Uh, and same time, if you can help support the show, there's a number of ways to do that. I've got a Patreon They'll probably shut that off at any time. I've also set up a subscribe store. Uh, you can subscribe there and donate. That helps make this show possible. I'm putting spending like 400 bucks a month just to do what I do, just in bandwidth and subscriptions and everything else. It's, it's not cheap to, to broadcast this out in this quality and get all these clips out and so forth, and that doesn't even pay me for my time. Uh, if you can support the show, please consider it. Uh, Substack also has a subscription. If I do anything that's, uh, you know, trying to give you guys tips about something or whatever, I'll put it out on all three. Uh, but I'm just trying to decentralize that for obvious reasons. And I can also talk a little more freely on some of the other platforms as well. So please consider supporting the show as well as some of these other, uh, you know, people that we cover in some of these stories because we're all working towards the same goal trying to make people aware of what's happening so that these criminals don't get away with this and one day face justice while at the same time preparing for the inevitable chaos and disruption to our lives that is coming as a result. It's time to get to the lifeboats, folks. I'm Sam I Am. We'll catch you all next broadcast. Thanks, everybody. Can't see what's happening by now, then you're blind They said it was to save lives, yeah that was a lie The writing's on the wall man, can't you see the signs Now they coming for the children, they just crossed the line They said just give it time, only three weeks and it will all be fine They want you tuned in to that TV every night So that they can implant fear deeply in your mind Now in order to defeat them, yo we need to unite The Ministry of Truth has taken over There's a reason that they chose Corona, yeah Corona means crown work it out man it's all symbolism from the beginning they told you a virus of the mind infecting your thoughts but enough is enough now we're saying no more we see the trojan horse at the door this is war we can't ignore the call big brother's gonna fall yeah we gotta light the torch for humanity because 1984 wasn't fantasy george orwell was warning what the plan would be now you can see it all in their strategy yeah 
They wanna call us conspiracy theorists But right now we're the ones that are seeing the clearest This is social engineering How many alarm bells have to ring before people start to hear them? Serious Ah, can't you see this is deliberate? They hand out sanitizers and masks but not vitamins McDonald's stayed open Same time the gyms didn't The only pandemic is cognitive dissonance Yeah, this is totalitarian People are waking up so they need to keep scaring them Declaring new waves and new variants They got tricks up their sleeves so we gotta be prepared for them They choose what the facts are with their propaganda We know what their plans are so they won't get that far, nah You don't have to be Pythagoras to see that this ain't adding up How much until you've had enough? Ah, right now it's the last straw Yeah, they're slowly bringing in their passports It's been leading to this from the start Time to look into your heart now and choose what you stand for It's the dehumanization of the nation Erasing the basic foundations of human relations The emergence of apartheid creating segregation That's the road that they're paving Cause if you're not jabbed, then it's you that they're blaming It's you that is dangerous, mass manipulation Coercing you to get penetrated What's the difference between that and a rapist? I think their plot's got some holes They want you to follow rules, but they don't It's a joke, now it's coming to the end of the road It's a fight for our souls How much of your life have they already stole? And how much more will they try to? How much will you turn a blind eye to? Roll up your sleeve and get a free donut to eat Can't you see they're trying to bribe you? What's really in that concoction? How many adverse reactions till we stop this? How many must die for power, lies and profits? I refuse to just stand by watching, no that is not an option What if that was your kid? Maybe then you would start talking Maybe then you'd see the point The children need a voice We need to fight for their future before it's destroyed